does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. We got a loaded one on a very rainy and ugly Thursday morning. If you want to take a guess at what the weather looks like, basically it's a combination of IU's first half and the Pacers' first quarter from last night. And while the Pacers had a great historic comeback, Indiana was close to that. It doesn't look like we're going to get the same comeback weather-wise. On this Thursday morning, Rick Venturi going to join us at 7.30 and heading out to Salt Lake City for the All-Star Game and the three-point contest. Coming up, Tyrese Halliburton at 8.15. Jake, this is going to be a smooth one, isn't it? Hang on. No, it's not, according to how Jake started the the show. I got here. I've been, just so you know. That was you, one of the longer walks around the studio to find. All the you have to do is look at me right now on the YouTube channel. How many viewers do we have right now, Mark? I don't do know. Have, okay, thousands. If you, if you look on the YouTube channel, you can see. I mean, what you're looking at right here is six foot four of total cleanliness and sexiness this morning. I showered. I've got product in. I look fabulous. I'm wide awake. I've been here since five forty-five, putting things together, piecing things together, researching all of it, and then. I realized that somebody decided last night, and I'm assuming it was whoever does the Pacers postgame show, no names mentioned, uh, just decided to move all the headsets out and take everything out of here and swivel the mic around, and I'm completely thrown off. I, myself, probably represent what it looks like outside. But good morning to you, Kevin and Mark. Good morning. But I think we're ready to go now. We are. Uh, again, Rick Venturi, 730, Tyrese Halliburton, at 8.15, the Pacers headed into the All-Star break as a winner. We have not said that very often about this team over the past month or so. Jake, they were down 24 at the end of the first quarter last night. Uh, ESPN throughout the stat. It is the biggest comeback for an NBA team after the first quarter since 2008. Really? It was uh, impressive for sure. The Buddy Heald banked in three. That's what started it all for me in the third quarter there. I saw somebody last night send a tweet, and it really is true, that said, we don't talk enough about how Buddy Heald was part of the Sabonis trade. You know, we almost talk about all the time Sabonis for Ty Halliburton, and it felt like Buddy Heald was like this throw-in, and Buddy Heald is... And I was fascinated by this. This shows really how much the game has changed over time. Uh, am I correct in this, Kevin, that I saw that last night Buddy Heald surpassed Reggie Miller for most threes Franchise made in the record. season? Yeah, 230 with, with what, 20-some yeah, games to go? I mean, obviously a lot of that's just the, the style of play now. Well, but. and a lot of it, too, and Jake, we don't give Buddy Heald enough credit for this, is he's durable. Right. He plays every night, and certainly he's got a body type that you know probably helps out. Um, I thought he was great after the game, talking about coming from the Bahamas and you know a lot of track and a lot of kind of high flying athletes. He's one of the few, you know, basketball shooters from the Bahamas, and he is a special talent and has a special skill. And again, him and Tyrese Halliburton will be in the three point contest. Buddy is actually the favorite; he's the betting favorite um, to win the three point contest. He won it a couple years ago, um, so that will be. Saturday night, but again, just an awful start from Indiana. It was so bad last night, Jake, that 
I turned off the Pacer game. I turned over to the Alabama-Tennessee game. And How boy, about that, man? Uh, future Pacer Brandon Miller. Mark it down right now. February 16th. Right here. Future Pacer Brandon Miller. Now, that's not the Brandon Miller that hasn't been heard from from Butler, right? Not the former Butler coach and the Newcastle product, no. A uh, much different style player than the Brandon Miller from Newcastle. Uh, long, skinnier Paul George-ish. I like what I see. Uh, but again, the third quarter last night, outstanding. Halliburton made a really tough shot with under a minute to go that it proved to be the eventual game winner. And... Obviously, the last month plus has been not good from a win-loss standpoint for the Pacers. For how they've played through the first 60 games of the season, and this sounds probably a little cheesy, they deserve a win to go into the All-Star break. I have in front of me, Kevin, the draft tankathon. Since you mentioned Brandon Miller, we haven't done this in a while, right? I really hope he doesn't go The Pacers have moved their way into sixth. But I'm going to do, here we go, a simulation oh, on boy. the NBA mock draft tankathon. Ooh, wow. Wow. With the fourth pick and the 2023 NBA mock draft, the Indiana Pacers select Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama. I'm telling you. He is smooth. He was a baseball player for a lot of his early years. So, you know, basketball's not been kind of the main, main sport that he's played, you know, sun up and sun down his entire life. Um, How about like this, it. Kevin? I like it. Great in, effort on the defensive end. In the same mock draft tankathon, okay, with the 28th pick in the 2023 <gasps> NBA Whoa. mock draft. Witchy. The Charlotte Hornets select Jalen Hood Shafino from the University of Indiana. That's how David Stern would always call IU. Um, I, I think that's low, too. I think Hood Shafino has played his way into top 20 area, Kevin. I thought he, he at times looked really good last night, but Trace Jackson Davis down the stretch for Indiana was Trace Jackson Davis, but they just dug themselves too big a hole. You know, if I were Mike Woodson, I would have told the team, can we carry Trace to the team plane? Seriously. I mean, it is absurd how much he means to them. That second half, I, you know, I'd be speaking in hyperbole, Jake, if I go too far on it, but that second half performance by Trace was incredible. Without him, they're, they're the Tom Crean later years, right? Yeah, and, and it wasn't enough. Obviously, down 19 at halftime. I thought Robbie Hummel... I mean, time and time again, and Hummel said this, going to the halftime break, right out of the halftime break, like he was just waiting for IU to get back in that game. I mean, he was like, Northwestern's up 19, but I don't feel good if I'm Northwestern right now. And he was spot on with that. Trace Jackson Davis, the points, the rebounds, they handled the double team much better in the second half. He facilitates. Like, you watch him last night, it was Sabonis-like and how he kind of operated in the second half from an assist standpoint. But there is just, particularly away from home, there is no consistent support for him whatsoever. Um, like you said, Jalen hood Shafino up and down last night. I guess Race Thompson scored a bit. I mean, there were some stretches in the second half where I thought Race struggled. Both those guys had 13. And Tamar Bates, and boy, you, Miller Cop last night, Jake, you talk about a kid just feeling that environment. They chanted, insert word here, you to Miller Cop 
very loudly, and boy, he threw one off the side of the backboard. It, he was hesitant. Trace, you could tell, was frustrated with them when he got clean looks. Yeah, they almost pulled off the comeback, but they lose. Boo Booey had a couple big drives late. Probably got away with one on the final possession there when he drove and hit the floater over Trey Galloway. But Northwestern, is this is Northwestern this year what Rutgers was last year to yeah. the state schools? I mean, they're they're right there. You know, I, I mean, obviously, that now puts them in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. Like, kudos to Chris Collins. man. And you know what? Has Northwestern ever beat Purdue in Indiana three times in a season? Oh, or in the same week? And you know what? Give credit here to Northwestern. You know, I have uh, one of my best friends played basketball at Northwestern. I went to games at Northwestern when I was in college. I remember when Andre Good and North and Northwestern when I was at North Central beat Indiana and people just taunted me because Indiana was the defending national champs and it was inexcusable to lose to Northwestern. That looked like a fun atmosphere, Kevin. I realized that sixty percent of the crowd was Indiana fans. I love I love the renovations. Looks yeah, looks great I mean it's there. a it's a cool looking. Mm-hmm. It looks cool in there, but it is a weird environment though. I mean. Purdue, you could hear Purdue fans on yeah, totally. Sunday there totally. or Saturday there, whenever that game was Sunday. I mean, last night, I mean, it was 50 50 for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many, alu- you know, Chicago has so many alumni of so many different Big Ten schools. That's the challenge. That, that, that Bowie kid is a pretty good player. He is. And I thought, did he get away with a walk? Pro- I don't know. It looked to me like his foot. You could probably go push off or walk. But he probably. pushed off. Yeah, he definitely pushed off. But do you call it in that situation? Uh, it depends on whether it's the Super Bowl or not, apparently, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis got away with a big goaltend, I thought, earlier in the half that kind of spurred a comeback. And you, you just you can't score 20 in the first half. You can't score 20 in the first half and expect to win. Northwestern picked to finish 13th in the Big Ten with two weeks to go in the regular season. They are in second place in the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis' stat line. Last night, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and somehow I don't think that tells you the full story of how much he meant to IU. I mean, they're getting every ounce out of him, Jay. He was virtually unstoppable down the stretch. By the way, good morning to Doug Shelton. Guys, say good morning to Doug. Good dude. What's up, Doug? Uh, Doug yesterday just sent me a text in the middle of the afternoon and had a question about the show, the dynamics of it, mostly being, um, do you get tired of those guys? And I said, no, not at all. But Doug and I ended up chatting on the phone yesterday for about 30 minutes. Did he mean to text me or Mark? <laughs> he did say that he finds Mark educating and entertaining. Doug, three, I don't do this often, Doug, but 317-441-3968. I, I think you meant to text Kevin. That's 441. Over here. 3968. Uh-huh. That's you, right? Yeah. Okay. You double 39 at 78 minus 10 off of it. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug was a cool guy. Uh, huge Colts fan. And, you know, I enjoyed talking to him because I, I think, again, sometimes we lose sight of, you know, we were talking about the Colts for a while and, and what the Colts mean to him. And, you know, you realize, Kevin, just how badly people want to see this work with, with Steichen and, and the moves of the Colts. And, and I think people feel like things are moving in the right direction. But then again, it's just such a long haul to get there, right? It's a step forward with hope. Yeah, it's a good way of saying it. You know, the Halliburton trade about a year ago was obviously the Pacers taking a huge step forward. It's not that level, but I do think Shane Steichen 
his background, the modern approach, the quarterback history, the diverse quarterback history. And you know what? I I went back and went through the transcript, and we'll have, again, Rick Venturi, 730, Tyrese Halliburton, 815, Zach Kiefer at 9 o'clock. You know, when you think to Jim Mercer's comments in that press conference the other day, I mean, Ursay pretty much said that the offensive background was a massive part in Shane Steichen being the one that they ended up hiring, which understandably so. And I, I couldn't agree more on that end. So I was able to talk with Coach Venturi a few a few days ago, I guess now, and ask him to come on. I know he has some um, great thoughts on that, Gus Bradley-related, and uh, the Colts roster construction. So we'll do that coming up. And then Tyrese Halliburton on his way to the airport, right? Okay. Yep, on his way. I don't know if he um, does. He give Buddy Hield a ride? Like, to, should we ask him that? Because Buddy Hield's got to go to All Star Weekend too. Well, is he they picking carpool? up Matherin and Nemhard too? Yeah, you're right. Rising Stars game tomorrow night. Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard on the same team. That's nine o'clock from Salt Lake City. And then Saturday night again, Buddy and Tyrese. It's actually a pretty good three point lineup. I think Jason Tatum's in the game or uh, in the three-point shootout. Tyler Hero as well. The dunk contest. There's no way, Jake. You can name. I, can you name one? If you can name one, I'll go walk out in the rain. Who's the guy? No, I can't. I mean, there's usually like. I thought you were gonna say Birdman. The the dunk contest usually has one like six eight twenty one year old guy from the Orlando Magic that's averaging three point five points per game, right? <laughs> That's pretty accurate. You have uh, four players in the dunk contest. Four players. Um, Four. To be fair, two of them are averaging double figures right now in the NBA, but still. Uh, Jericho Sims. Okay. Kenyon Martin Jr. Okay. Trey Murphy, who is a good player for the Pelicans. Uh, And then uh, Mac McClung from the G League. We've got a G Leaguer in the dunk contest. Mac McClung? Now, it's like he, an alias you check into a hotel with. Ah, it's Max McClung. I saw Mac, him on True Mac, Request. Uh, it, Mac. Yeah. Not, I yeah, saw yeah. him on True Request Live, I think, right? He was a Georgetown kid from a few years ago. I think Butler fans will remember Mac. Uh, this is spot on here from Matt. IU Northwestern game felt like a good high school semi-state where you have half the crowd going crazy, then each team scores. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. You have like the opposing fan base is trying to outchant the other. I'm not saying that Mac McClung has taken a circuitous route to the NBA dunk contest, but the current team he plays for is jerseys say crypto.com on them. Is that the patch or is that the main? That's that's like the main thing. It the crypto like. coiners? Is He's that the played name? for 30 teams with 150 teammates in four years. 30 teams in four years? That's what it says here. It sounds like late. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 30. I'm sorry. 30 cities, sorry. He's played in 30 cities. Well, that, I oh, mean, that everybody mean, plays in 30 cities. What does that mean? It's the least options on that. Um, Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, I mean, he's bounced around, though. I mean, as is obviously the case when you're in the Well, we'll see how much he's bouncing Saturday night for the dunk contest. Uh, tonight, it is an early tip for the Boilermakers of Purdue in Maryland. Maryland has not lost a home Big Ten game all season. Purdue is just a slight favorite, just, I think, a point, point and a half. Last I saw, you think back to this first game at Mackey back in January. It was a really close game. Low-scoring game. Zach Eady was outstanding. Purdue had a ton of turnovers in that game, and that has been the trend here recently. So we'll see about Purdue tonight as they look to bounce back after losing a couple. In the last 14 months, 
Mac McClung has played for the South Bay Lakers, Chicago Bulls, Windy City Bulls, L.A. Lakers, South Bay Lakers again, Delaware Bluecoats, Philadelphia 76ers, back to, to the Delaware Bluecoats. So I, that's in 14 months. Guys, I can't tell you how much my mindset changed with the Pacers coming back and winning that game. 30 wins is a lock. <laughs> I was wondering about you. At one point, I thought, man, if they don't I, get this one. I scrolled through the schedule three times in the first half. I'm like, if they don't get this one, Kevin is going to be sweating some I'm like, bullets. now wait, we have a full March schedule? Is that right? So I've got a full March schedule. Only a couple games in February, though, and only a few in April. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this really about that? Can I cash out? But The last two minutes of that second quarter, I was like, the, the Pacers got this. I didn't sweat at all. Unbelievable. I Down 24 at the end of the first quarter. Again, the biggest comeback the NBA has seen from a first quarter deficit since 2000. And eight. All right. Um, I know we break, we're going to break a little bit earlier than we typically do here, and that is because we've got Rick Venturi, 7.30 sharp this morning. Tyrese Halliburton. Throwing off people's morning rhythm, Kevin. 8.15. Well, honestly, um, <laughs> as soon as they walk outside, they're going to be thrown, thrown off. Right. Uh, as how beautiful yesterday was, it is as ugly as it was beautiful yesterday. So watch out. Potholes filled with some water on this Thursday morning and um, certainly a ton of rain that you will encounter. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton right here on Kevin and Query, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. A couple of games last night in basketball with teams from Indiana and teams from the Windy City. We'll begin at the collegiate level. In Evanston, Northwestern, 64-62 last night over 14th-ranked Indiana. Trace Jackson Davis, 23 points, 10 rebounds. Indiana, Kevin, dug themselves a huge hole. And a guy that is making a late push as the National Player of the Year, along with Zach Eady. It's kind of a two-horse race, it would seem. Trace Jackson Davis was spectacular, but it was unfortunately too big a hole to come out. Yeah, tossing eight assists, two for Trace. He was incredible, especially in the second half. But the first half was awful. 39-20 at halftime. Mike Woodson last night on one of the worst first halves of the season. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. We miss shots. And you can't, you know, the first... 10 possessions, I bet we had five, six turnovers. See, you can't run offense that way. It's impossible. You know, you're just giving it back to the other team, and they were scoring. We weren't getting stops. That was the difference. Uh, Illinois for the Hoosiers coming up in Bloomington on Saturday. That is a noon tip. Tonight, it is Purdue at Maryland, 6.30 from College Park. And these teams met earlier this month, a very low-scoring game at Mackey. Purdue won by three. Zach Eady had 24 of Purdue's 58 in that one, uh, Jake Maryland has not lost at home in the Big Ten this season. Kind of a quiet, like solid year. Not nothing great, but um, Purdue just a slight. They favorite. are the only Big Ten team, I believe, to hold serve at home. Right? Is that right? I mean, yeah. I mean, Purdue lost to Rutgers at home. Yeah. I, I I would assume. Yeah. Uh, last night in the association. Pacers 117-113 over the Chicago Bulls. Again, Tyrese Halliburton is scheduled to join us about 40 minutes from right now, as a matter of fact. Five-game losing streak is snapped for Indiana. Buddy Heald had 27. He was scoreless in the first half. He had all of them in the second half. Also became the franchise's record setter for three-point shots made in a season. Did it last night with still like a third of the year uh, left to go. Elsewhere around the NBA, Jaron Jackson Jr., the park tutor, Alum, 26 points for Memphis. They beat, I don't know if he's an alum. I think he went to a lot. Are you an alum if you went but didn't graduate? 
That's a great question. Product, how's that? Uh, Memphis 117-111 over Utah last night. The Knicks, Hornets, Celtics, Nets, Lakers, Nuggets, and Sixers and Thunder, all winners last night in the NBA. I do want to mention Chris Duarte. I thought kind of shaky first half last night, but really shaky first quarter. I thought Duarte kind of just kept them in it. I mean, they almost got blown off their own floor, the Pacers, after not playing Monday. Duarte got those minutes over George Hill. I thought he did a nice job in the first half. All right, as Jake said, Tyrese Halliburton at 8.15, but when we come back, one of my favorites, Rick Venturi, going to join us. Talk Shane Steichen, Gus Bradley, the Colts quarterback class in whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, You're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. 2023. We'll do all of that next with the coach. Jake, I kid you not. Um, I texted Rick Venturi earlier today. We chatted a few days ago on the phone. Very gracious to come on with us. And he goes, yeah, just send me a reminder on Thursday morning when you wake up. Um, what time do you think Rick Venturi woke up this morning? 5 a.m. Probably listening to CCR. At, which was an appropriate bump in, I'm guessing. At 4.01 on this Thursday morning, Rick Venturi rose to start his day. Coach, are you are you alarm at 4.01 a.m., or is this natural body clock? Oh, absolutely not. I've always had the work, kind of the work schedule of a farmer, to be honest with you. I've always done my best work early in the morning. Now, I'm not up very late at night. i got to admit that one. But uh, I get up every morning, and I like to get my four hours of work in before uh, Miss Sherry gets up. And so, basically, I my, my first three hours is normally spent on the, you know, the football issue today. Today, it's uh, this week. You know, obviously, I'm beginning to really start to pound the draft and look at tape there. And then the last hour is to check the NBA box scores, Major League box scores, and look at the the horse racing for Saturday because Miss Sherry and I both are big horse race fans. Matter of fact, I hit two uh, at Tampa down Saturday in in the Sam Davis, which is a big derby prep. Uh, I won that with uh, my guy, Louis Saez, and then uh, I hit on the, um, what do they call it, the Sun Coaster, which is a prep for the Oaks. Uh, I hit a 38-1 to with my jockey, Sammy Camacho. So 
It's three. Now, it's three hour, three hours of work and one hour of fun, and then uh, and then I make the coffee, Miss Sherry, and we we go on with the day. Now, now, Rick, I, I think most people know because I mentioned it before that your son Jason and I, you know, he's one of my guys, right? Uh, I'm going to have to let him know Absolutely. not to count on. I'm going to send him a text not to count on as much inheritance as he had originally thought. Right? <laughs> I heard winners in that, that though. Listen, I, you guys, listen, you guys, and and Kevin, you have to know this. I I'm probably the only guy that knew. Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Jay Query before they became icons. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, coach. thanks. This ego's as wide as 465 right. right now. Okay. Um, I get his. So here's the question Did the Indianapolis Colts now find themselves the guy that we're going to be able to save 10 years from now? The Colts discovered him before he was exactly that we know. What do you see in terms of this hire of Shane Steich and your thoughts on the direction now the franchise heads? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, you know, ten years from now, you know whether or not that uh, Shane Steichen makes a great head coach. You know that that's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, we're in an era now where there are no known commodities. The only known commodities, proven winner, head coach was you know was Sean Payton, and you know we have way too many holes uh, to give away that much draft capital. Um, you know, to get into that market, so. Uh, you go to the next step. The next step is, you know, top flight assistance, uh, top flight assistance, which you don't know whether any of them are going to be great or not. You hope you get Zach Taylor and not hack it. I mean, really, it comes down to that. In my case, I'm very happy with the hire, and I'm very higher with the venting process. I don't think you can vent enough, and particularly when you're not in direct competition with another team. I, you know, I think the fact that the Eagles went all the way helped us because – he, he was going to be available just like Callahan. Kafka, not quite as long. Raheem was always there. That was my, my top four. Steichen was always number one. And, you know, you, you always, when you interview here, obviously you're looking for leadership, organization, um, you know, um, the skill sets, uh, presence, the skill sets that make a head coach. But in my case, you know, I think this is a little bit different times in 223. I think in a way it's a little bit like the draft, uh, Jacob. It's, you know, if you have equal, if you have equal guys, let's say that you like Raheem as well as you like Steichen in interviews. But in this case, I think what was really important is that we have to fill some needs. It's like taking a need player when they're equal. And basically, there was a hat trick that I was looking for. Number one, an offensive designer. Uh, number two, uh, you know, a guy that was a play caller legitimately, and number three, a guy that was a quarterback whisperer. And so in that case, even though there were good candidates, um, the only guy that's really proven there, and he's proven to be a quarterback whisperer with different types of quarterbacks, was Steichen. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I, I like the press conference. I don't, I don't need a comedian. I don't need a guy that talks about his faith. <clears throat> I want a hard-nosed football guy that is forceful, that is a top X and O guy, that when he starts talking about football, it's all football. And, you know, I really like that. I don't know him personally, but I know his body of work because I – I watch tape to determine <laughs> what I think. But I, like I said, I really like the hire. I do believe that this in 223 is the best possible uh, outcome of the search. Uh, you know, whether or not uh, he becomes a great head coach, you know, we will find out. I mean, we'll, we'll see that. Nobody can predict that at this moment. 
Again, Rick Venturi is with us, 4.01 a.m. No need for the alarm for Coach Venturi. I think he might be off to the Gruden compound a little bit later today. We will chat 2023 quarterbacks, his early thoughts there, and a few other things with the coach this morning. Um, I, I want to flip sides of the ball. Um, obviously, Shane Steichen and that hire speaks for itself offensively. The retention of Gus Bradley, Rick, I think a lot of people just assume it's a foregone conclusion. You and I have had conversations, though, and and you know think that you know at times I think people just got too content with the defense last year because the offense was so horrid. Yeah, there's no question about it, and there's certainly a natural um, tie-in with Steichen and uh, Gus's staff. They all work together at San Diego, so the, the familiarity is there. Um, as I said with John yesterday, if, if he doesn't retain him, it'll really be a message that's sent. I, I assume that he will retain that guy, and I certainly hope he holds above above as a star. You, you can't let Bubba out of the building. Uh, but I do think, you know, and, and I think you're making a good point. I think our defense, and, and I like Gus Bradley. I, I'd like to keep Gus Bradley, but I would like to keep him qualified with some mandates. I think that our defense got a real pass because the offense was so putrid. I mean, I could, I don't even want to go into the offensive stats because all you had to do was watch it with your eyes. But defensively, there were several games, I think seven or more, that one defensive stop, as bad as the offensive was, one defensive stop would have made the difference, would have won the game, and we never got that in the fourth quarter. And when you look at some of the stats that I look at, because I know the difference in what stats really matter to playoff and not, when you start looking at them, at the end of the day, it's 28th in points given up, 32nd in the red zone. Uh, opponents' quarterback rating, number 30, 96-3. Opponents' pass percentage, number 31, 70%. And then the worst stat of all, which was the killer, is fourth quarter defense, number 31. And then you could add the fact that we went from number two in takeaways to number 20. So there's a hell of a lot of work to be done. And I would I would, I would mandate some things. I would say, number one, there has to be much more diversity in front and in secondary coverage. I, I don't think simplicity wins in the National Football League. Uh, number two, I think there has to be much better rush plans for specific quarterbacks. I mean, you know, on a third down on the, in, the, in the low red zone, you know, to let Hurts run to Noblesville on a quarterback draw, that's just intolerable to me. I think the blitz percentage has to be a uh, – we're one of the lowest teams, I think, at 14%. That has to really go up. You can't sit there against the modern-day quarterback. And then number four, I, I'd like to see him be a lot more game-specific. I just – one of my pet peeves is when a guy comes in as a superstar, whether it's A.J. Brown or whatever, that's the guy you got to stop. And, and good coaches have to have that specific game plan – that stops those guys. And I'd like this. I haven't seen that around here enough for a long time. I'd like to see that improve. So do I, do I like Gus Bradley? Yes. Uh, do I think Gus can evolve? Uh, I believe he can. Um, you know, if he doesn't, uh, I think no matter what we do on offense, we'll still struggle. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done, you know, top to bottom here, uh, Kevin. I really do. Rick Venturi is our guest on the Payless Lickers Hotline, of course, 11 years in coaching with the Colts amongst his vast coaching career. And now you can hear him, of course, with Matt Taylor on the Colts radio network. Rick, I was curious about this. 
when you come in, if you're a new coach, and I realize maybe some guys like to immediately put their footprint on it. Some guys want to see where things lie. This is a, a first-year coach. But in your experience from a coaching standpoint, which is the longer and more arduous process? Taking a roster and having those guys conform to the style you want to see or conforming your style to the rest to the roster that you are inheriting. Well, I think there's I, I think there's two nuanced uh, issues there. I, I think number one, you have to establish your way of life, your way of doing business. You know, you know, most of the time we will say that's accountability. Um, I think that's really important. There's been murmurs. I don't know. I wasn't inside the building every day. There's been murmurs of laxity and lack of accountability. Maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. But you have to initially establish your way of life, you know, whether it's the Saban way of life, your way of life, Andy Reid's way of life, that atmosphere and you want to address that immediately. You want to establish that leadership program. But then number two, it's a different program. I think mentally, from a schematic standpoint, you do have to be flexible and you have to adapt to the personnel that you end up with. No matter how much roster change we think we can make, eventually we're going to be in a deck of cards, 52, and we're going to be dealt that hand and we have to be able to play that hand. And one of the reasons that, you know, I like Steichen, going back to my first premise, was, yes, I think Philadelphia has done the very best job of adapting to modern-day football. In other words, they have developed an NFL passing game, and they have improved Hurts, but they have taken elements of the college game, the NCAA game, the zone reads, the sweeps, the quarterback uh, designers, uh, and they've added them, and they've successfully done it. It's not that easy, and they have really, to me, state-of-the-art offensive scheme for the modern-day kit. But at the same time, he's also been the quarterback coach with Herbert, who was Rookie of the Year, and more importantly, he was the quarterback coach with Rivers, who we know is old-school, classic, non-movement quarterback. So what I see there is – from a, a, that standpoint, that question is that you. I think the great ones have great flexibility. You've seen it with Andy Reid over the years. You've seen it with people. Shula was the great example. Threw every down with uh, Dan Marino, ran every down with Zonka. So, I mean, you've got to have that mental flexibility, and, that, and that's why it's so important. You've got to have an X and O guy as your head coach. That It's a myth that you can have a CEO guy. It's a myth because – even though you want an organizational guy and maybe he doesn't call the plays, but that guy's got to be able to push the buttons X and O-wise on both sides of the ball or else you're not going to make it. If Indianapolis has decided, Rick, and by all account this is going to be the case, we don't know, but it appears as though they have finally decided that, yes, it is draft quarterback and and do away with veteran Band-Aid year-to-year process. So in the event that they are going to draft a quarterback, did that further necessitate them getting a head coach that is the the new style, as the Beastie Boys would say, as opposed to the old guard? I would say absolutely. It certainly was with me because, again, you need a total turnaround schematically 
but you need a guy who can develop a young investment quarterback. There's no question about that. That was, you know, in, as I said, you know, in my in my trio, in my three commandments, I wanted offensive design, play caller, and quarterback whisperer and developer. I think that you're absolutely right on that. Now, nobody's going to admit that. They'll say we didn't go in with an idea and all that. Well, that's okay. You, you can, you know, talk to my hand on that. But in the end, I think that's exactly right. And you're not sure... And you're absolutely right, uh, uh, Jake. And and it hasn't necessarily, I don't think necessarily, been that they didn't want to get a young franchise quarterback. One of the problems that Ballard had along the way is after Andrew walked out, we were always just good enough to, and we probably overrated our roster, to believe that we could get a patchwork guy hit us through a year. And in a way, we did with Rivers. And then it blew up with Wentz, and it blew up with Ryan. But now for the third time, and you guys are historic there in Indianapolis, the the third time, this is the third time we've been in the lottery since 99. And the first two worked out pretty well with the number one pick. And so I want to see us. This is Rick Venter. This is no one else. I'll, I'll give my unfiltered is that we need to get to one. We need to do what we did when we moved up to get Jeff George. Whether that worked out or not is problematic. We need to be at that one pick. And I have my feelings about it, but you want to get the guy that you think is the best. You really don't want to settle for three or four. Not, and I think there's five guys on the board that are all very, very good. I'd have to probably take Hooker off because of the knee, but there's five guys that are very good. There's one guy, in my opinion, that stands above it. But in that sense, this is the first time we've been in the lottery. And, and we're very fortunate. I mean, we were lucky with luck because – this was not a bad franchise who had the first pick. This was a franchise that just had one bad season because of Manning's injury and then ended up, you know, you talk about being lucky to have luck sitting there on that one bad season. And now we're in the lottery again, hopefully not for a long time. So you have to make this pick do. And if the, if it takes giving rid of draft capital, you've got to get this guy to, to be the guy at the crossroads in this in this franchise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You don't want to hope someone falls in your lap. You've got to go identify and grab that guy. Rick Venturi is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, let's focus on that 2023 quarterback class here for a second. And I know you're still yeah. kind of early in that evaluation. You've certainly watched film, the character element. You know, we'll, we'll obviously see how all yeah. of that plays out. But when you look at Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, what do you see? with this group yeah i spent a whole day at, at, at with john gruden and gruden enterprises in tampa on uh, what's today there's on tuesday and we studied the top eight guys and really in detail game tape to best plays worst plays you know about as thorough as you could get so i have at least a feeling in my mind uh, and and the way i've always done it goes back to my recruiting days really way back when in college is that you know, I am an analytics guy. I'm not a dinosaur. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, says, well, he could play or he can't play. No, I, I study it all. I, I look for all the metrics. All the metrics are important to me. The game tape is important. And then the vetting process is important. Now, that's one thing I don't do. The Colts certainly will because I would want to meet, you know, as long as it took with all four guys at the top. And when I come out of there, I've got to make sure there's football intelligence, there's leadership qualities. 
I mean, when you look at the two guys in the Super Bowl and then throw Joe Burrows in there, my top three, I mean, you got guys with great football intelligence, great presence, great leadership skills, along with immense talent. And so that's really important, and that's going to divide people. Now, when I look at this year's crop, to me, there's one guy that is unique in terms of playmaking ability, the guy that goes beyond the playbook, one of the three pillars that Steichen brought up, accuracy, decision-making, the ability to create, the ability to study relentlessly. Well, the one guy I know that today is Bryce Young. Now, I can't make him bigger. And, you know, people can push back if you want to. That's fine. I'm just giving you my opinion. He is the game changer. He is the guy that can make spectacular plays. You know, we kind of refer to him down here as little Mo in that there is only one Mahomes, but he makes, he has some of those traits. Unfortunately, Mahomes is 6'5", and he's 5'11", but that is what it is. I can't make it bigger, but I've got to make a choice. And so, to me, I trade to one to get Bryce Young. Because, and if let, let me say to you, Kevin, if you don't get to one with Houston sitting at two, somebody else is. So you're going to have to decide between three and four, which is a good kid, which is a very talented guy. But I would put Young as my top guy and then draw a line. Now, two, three, and four, it's a lot tougher than people think. I think the media consensus right now and all the draft mix that don't know a football from a basketball, they all consensus-wise, you know, basically they have Stroud as number two. In my world, in the football technical world, it is not that clear cut between Stroud, Levis, and Richardson, to be honest with you. Again, Hooker's the outlier now because of the knee. He would have been in the top five. You know, in Stroud, you have a guy that does do everything well. There's no question about it. He does everything well. I don't think he has the wow, and he's bigger. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he like uh, Young, uh, you know, they've driven Mercedes. There's no question about it. they got Mercedes wheels and everything around them to be good. I don't think Young had nearly the talent this year than he has had, and I thought he did well with it. But Stroud does everything very, very well. He just doesn't give me the wow uh, the wow factor, what I call the electricity test. Electricity test is after I've done all the vitals, does he, does he turn me on or doesn't he? I like Stroud a lot. You're not going to be, I don't think, unhappy. Now when you get to Levis and Richardson, that's the tough choice because you have immense talent in both guys. When you look at Levis, and those guys did not drive Mercedes. They drove my, my, my 22 Escape. They didn't drive Mercedes is at Kentucky or Florida. Now, when you watch Levis, you got, you look at a guy with a big skill set. You know, he's very much like Stroud. They're in the four sevens. They're not great athletes. Like, Young is a very good athlete. He's in the four fives as far as running metrically, okay? But uh, Levis, you can look at seven plays out of ten, and you will say this guy can do it all. He can throw the dig. He can move. He can avoid he can throw the fade. He can do everything. And then there's three plays in the 10 that you will say a little bit like Carson once. Like, why? how did he do that? What was he thinking? You know, there are the minuses that you to somehow either get through or accept. And then, you know, there is some quirkiness to his personality, which I don't think that's necessarily a, a you know, a game changer. But I also, you know, 
you know, I don't want a weirdo at quarterback either, okay? Now, the, the most, I think, problematic guy is Richardson. Richardson has immense talent. Uh, if you were sitting in a situation where you could wait a little bit like the Packers did with Love, he might be the best prospect. But I don't know. I don't think we're in a position to wait. We certainly don't have anybody we want to put in front of him. But this guy has better talent, skill set than all of them. I mean, he's probably a 4-5. He's probably the fastest, no question about it. His arm is terrific. His release is terrific. But at the end of the day, he's only started 11 games, you know, and he's coming out. So, you know, he is going to have to be tremendously vetted. And I, I just think off the cuff, I don't think he's going to be ready. But, you know, he might have the highest ceiling, no question about it. So, you know, you've got four very, very good kids. Um, you know, I think uh, with the exception of size, you've got one guy who is above them in playmaking ability, and I know what his pedigree is. I know what he comes from. Uh, I, I know what his leadership skills are. So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it right now. There's still a lot of work to be done, you know, between, be, you know, before late April. Rick, we were talking about this yesterday, so I want your opinion on this. It, which is a greater gap? Or, or which, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> which is the, 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 bigger, the bigger quantitative number? The, the drop between drafting first and drafting fourth in terms of the quality of quarterback you might get or the quality of pieces that you would have to give up to move from four to one? Is it worth the return on investment? Well, you know, I, you know again, I don't know exactly what the investment could be. Uh, I think we're an ideal trading partner with the Bears for several reasons. I think, first of all, the Bears only have to move back two spots you know, and, and if they move back uh, two spots, they can still get a dynamic, game-changing defensive guy, uh, you know, like a Carter, uh, like an Anderson, uh, like uh, Murphy, your boy from Clemson. I mean, they're going to be able to move back at four to four and get a great defensive player, a great football player. There's left tackles available. I mean, guys that are game-changers. So, I mean, from their standpoint, they would rather trade with us than anybody and then the other thing is, Eberflus knows our roster, so he knows it very well. So if there's a player involved, an active player involved with the draft choices, he's going to have a good handle on that. Whether or not it's worth the investment, the trade has to be in front of me. But I think there's going to have to be a commitment, and we can't just keep holding on to draft picks and keep, you know, keep having marginal to bad seasons, okay? Here's the deal I think. Right now, we're at a, a crossroads. Again, third time since 99 that we're in a lottery situation, which hopefully we won't be in again for another couple decades, okay? So to me, this is going to be the only time that you're going to be able to get that franchise starter. Now, you, you know, it, it, it may not have be the guy I feel, but at any rate, it's got to be the guy you feel – and to me, this is the time to do it. And if there's a big-time investment involved, that's going to be the consequence, to be honest with you. Now, they're obviously going to hold us up, and there's going to be competition. But I just feel like this. If we don't get the one, somebody else is going to get the one, and then Houston's sitting at two. So now you're looking at a different decision on three on, on, on number four. 
Coach, we'll end with this. And again, thank you a ton for your time this morning. Um, free agency is about a month away. I mean, the Colts don't have a ton of, I think, stand-on-the-table guys, but they certainly have a handful of starters that could hit the open market. I'll throw a couple names at you. Yanni Kangakwe, Bobby Okereke, Paris Campbell. Thoughts on bringing any of those back? Well, I, I, I like Okereke the best. I, I think Okereke is the best for the money. Um, I think he's become a really outstanding linebacker. Uh, there's no question in my mind he's one of the best cover guys in the league. You know, he's a really good space player, a good, a really good tackler. You know, he and Franklin were not the reason that we struggled on defense. Trust me on that. They were not. I like him the best. Um, I like Campbell. Uh, I think there's some upside. I, I still don't see a great wow there. I, I you know, I, again, I think one of the biggest issues that we've had over the years, besides the quarterback carousel, is not putting the investments into explosive game changers on offense and so forth. I don't see it, and I, I think he potentially can, uh, but I, you know, I, I still haven't seen it totally. And then uh, with Ngakwe, I like him. I, I like him on my team. Uh, he's a great effort guy. Um, he will get you that eight to ten sacks, but they're, they're, I call them quiet sacks. I never feel like that he's taken over a game like a Riddick or you know or you know or, or Clark's or Ford's or or Graham. I never feel like that. You know, if I'm game planning, that I have to have a, an ambient guy, a guy that I have, a, have to have a special plan for. So. I'd like to have him back. I think Gus and those guys like him. They've had him, but I would not play. I would not pay him like a dominant impact player. March fifth, Rick Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. I'll be down there. If you're still down there in Florida, hanging out, uh, would love to see you. But in the meantime, you're going to wake up at four oh one and head over to the compound. I, I would with say that's Rick unlikely. And Coach On my way back to. Uh, Heading in for the night, I can stop by. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you this: Jake is one of the few people, maybe the only person in Indianapolis that has ever sat on that front porch on the Gulf of Mexico with me. That is right? correct. That is correct. That's that an is honor. Correct. And and the other thing I will awesome. tell you is he he and my son. If you can get the senior yearbook from North Central, <laughs> he and my son Jason inserted themselves in the honor society oh, photograph. Yeah. Now, both guys were tr- really good students and really achievers. Honor society, Kevin, I'm not sure, yeah. but mm-hmm. their picture is there. We, yeah, that we, was Jake doing his best George O'Leary impression. We combined for a 4.0. <laughs> 4.01am that's what time Rick Venturi started his day today for insight like this coach enjoy the time down there with Miss Sherry safe travels back here all right, guys, you're my favorites. I, I, I'll talk to you later. I appreciate it coach that's Rick Venturi I told you that Kevin we were walking out school one day <laughs> Jason and I and gathering of people in the student center and I said what's going on here and they said we're taking the National Honor Society yearbook photo are you in it and I said we are now and there are Jason and I right in the back between Ned Zimmerman and Byling in. You've got the uh, Ned going to the Ivy League, and he's like, get the hell out <laughs> of here. Ned went to Cal Berkeley. <laughs> Byling is now on staff at Stanford. If you missed that, we might re-rack it Jason and I. coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Tyrese Halliburton going to join us here in about 15 minutes. So we have got a loaded Thursday show for you. Is it still raining out there? 
drizzling. It's not pretty. It was an ugly start to the Thursday weather-wise, so keep an eye out for that. But again, that was Rick Venturi. We've got Tyrese Halliburton coming up at 8.15. Kevin Aquari. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Fan. So a little glimpse behind the curtain for you on this, a rainy Thursday morning, five minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton. We just got word that, because uh, we have meetings each Tuesday and Thursday to kind of go over things. Uh, the boss has other obligations today, so no meetings. So since he's gone, we're, we've just decided to blow this whole thing up with a juxtaposition of the schedule, right? Yeah, oh yeah. We're just mm-hmm. free-floating here with uh, what's been an, a, a very busy morning and a good one. Rick Venturi there. You heard that. We'll replay that coming up later in the show for those of you who missed it. Tyrese Halliburton is on his way to Salt Lake City this morning for the All-Star break. He is set to tentatively join us in about 10 minutes. But before we do all of that, a little bit out of order, let's get you caught up on what happened in the world of sports overnight. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, let's start off with a comeback that was complete, and that was Indiana Pacers last night. They will have a winning feeling going into the All-Star break. That's not something they've said many times over the past month, and it didn't look that way after the first quarter last night. They were down 24 points after the first quarter, They come back to beat the Bulls 117-113. That is the largest NBA comeback after the first quarter since 2008. Buddy Heald banked in a three early in the third quarter. That started off an incredible second half for Heald. He hit five threes, I believe, after halftime. And in doing so, he set a franchise record with 233 pointers already this season. And again, there's still 22 games to go. After the game last night, Rick Carlisle on really one of the best shooters in the NBA. I just want to watch the three-point contest. I want to see him and Ty in the finals. That's my that's my short-term dream. Um, but you know, Buddy, Buddy is going to go down as a historically great three-point shooter in this league. Um, and you know, passing Reggie Miller for the single season mark with 22 games to go is is a strong statement. And uh, and I know if Reggie was here, he would he would congratulate um, Buddy because Reggie's that kind of a stand up guy, and he 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 really appreciates you know uh, specialization and greatness. You know, in 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 the area of specialization when it comes to shooting. So um, congratulations to Buddy and. Uh, you know, we got a long way to go here. That should be another thing of this program. Along with Educate and Entertain, we offer special uh, specialization and greatness. I thought you were going to say we have a long way to go. I know. Gosh, well, I got nervous there for a second. That too. Uh, Jake, Always. That's, that's not hyperbole from Rick Carlisle. He will go down as one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. 
Yeah. When it's all said and done. I mean, the... He's not stopping thing, anytime soon. The thing with Buddy Heald, too, is you know he doesn't need a, doesn't need a lot of time to get his shot off, right? Like he doesn't need a, a long window. And somebody made the point I mentioned it earlier about the fact that we talk so much about Tyrese Halliburton and the Sabonis. You know, yeah, the, the Halliburton trade. Buddy Heald's a pretty darn good player. I thought last night Chris Duarte and even Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson got sick at halftime. They're kind of in scramble mode. No Daniel Tice. Thought both of those guys gave them some needed minutes as well. I, I did think this watching the Bulls, and Mark, apologies on this. I think what the Bulls are to the Pacers is what the Raiders were to Jeff Saturday's Colts. You need to get the Bulls on the right. schedule more. Did the feel good win? Yeah. Can, can they play them like four more times after the All Star break? Sure. Maybe. There's a reason why I told you put your money on the Pacers last night. Did you? Oh yeah. Okay. I told you I live bet them. They're at, Pacers were at like plus two thirty five, and I threw. You know threw that some actually allows on. people to both be entertained and educated yeah. before the game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Kevin had mentioned comeback last night for Indiana over Chicago. Not the case in Chicago for Indiana. Talking about on the college side of things. The Hoosiers falling 64-62 to Northwestern last night. Wildcats now 19-7 and and 10-5 in the league. Indiana, that tie is broken because they now allow Northwestern to sit alone in second place in the Big Ten. Hoosiers 18-8, and 9-6 overall. Trace Jackson Davis, Kevin, sensational in the second half, but Indiana simply had dug themselves too big a hole. Yeah, I know a lot of IU fans probably went to bed at halftime, understandably so. Trace Jackson Davis, that second half performance was rather absurd. 23 points in the game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. You know, we saw it with Zach Eady on Sunday. Northwestern is so effective with that double team. I thought Robbie Hummel made some great points last night of, you know, they don't double right away. So you, I think as a big guy, you're kind of anticipating it, like when is it going to come? When is it going to come? And then all of a sudden, they do it a little bit late, so that limits how much kind of playmaking time you have. But again, Trace was able to make some plays in the second half, but they could not stop Boo Booey. Did he get away with one late? Maybe. Uh, but at the end of the day, he made some big drives um, late in that game. They got you know Miller Cop. Uh, Trey Galloway on him and Jake two guys that really struggled last night Tamar Bates which has kind of been the norm yeah but boy you talk about Miller Cop, the Northwestern transfer the student section gave it to him all night long he was so timid and struggled majorly I understand that there are some probably questions and concerns about Xavier Johnson and what will he bring when he when he returns and maybe at the end of this month Jake they need somebody else they need one more yeah you're right I mean, Tamar Bates to me is really frustrating because in next year, I guess, will be... God, he was the five-star, right? Yeah, I mean, and like he's the one that... And this is why... And I know I'm a cynic, and I know that it this... I apologize. Believe you me, folks. If you think it frustrates you, how do you think I feel? Uh, to, to constantly be like a cynic about things. But I remember Tamar Bates after he had verbaled to Indiana, and he, there was a video sent out. It was like a TikTok video of him working out. And I sent it to someone. I said, man, look at this guy. And they said, yeah, okay. Is he doing that against any Big Ten players? Like he's doing it against you know his 5'10 buddy from high school. He clearly has skill. But having skill and being able to then regularly apply that into a Big Ten level game are two different things. And he, he seemingly has the pieces to be able to give them that complimentary effort. But they, they need it, and they need it night in and night out, not every 10 games. Two technicals in the first half, one on the bench, one on Mike Woodson. I understand that the whistle 
probably wasn't too favorable to IU early on, but certainly in a two-point game that matters late. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino half-court shot at the buzzer, went off the rim. Uh, tonight in College Park, it'll be Purdue and Maryland. That has proven to be a very tough place to play for Big Ten teams this season. Maryland has not lost a Big Ten home game. And Jake, one of the, I think easily, one of the tougher games Purdue has had at Mackey all year long was Maryland. A really low-scoring game last month. Zach Eady had 24 of Purdue's 58 points in that game. And uh, the reason why it was close, 15 turnovers for Purdue. And that, of course, has been a recent trend. So uh, it's Maryland and Ohio State for Purdue coming up tonight. And then this weekend for Indiana, it'll be uh, Illinois coming up Sunday – or excuse me, Saturday at noon. If you look at the latest bracketology – and I listen, I – like anybody else, go back to Cynic. I kind of mock sometimes the bracketology type stuff, but it it is a an unbelievable barometer because Lenardi is usually completely dialed in and accurate on things. Eight Big Ten teams in right now. Maryland as a what seed, Kevin? Off the top of Ooh. your head, uh, let's go with nine. Very close. Eight seed. Eight seeded Maryland, but trending downward. So we'll see. They have won five of six, which is, I guess. Surprising. Yeah, so I don't know why the it would be tre- – they have them as listed as trending down, but – And they're kind of – I mean, they kind of want to muck it up. You know, There's a bit of a Rutgers they, feel Well, that's the problem. Like, they want you to play their style, right? Yeah. They want you to do what they want to do. Uh, Purdue is still listed as a one seed, obviously. Uh, they have lost three games as – all three of them when they were ranked number one. That is more than anybody else. But number one fell last night, right? Yeah, Alabama losing at Tennessee. But, boy, I love me some Brandon Miller for Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the kind of guy the Pacers need, right? Oh, I, I know, and I know he's probably a little bit more offensively, um, you know, gifted right now. But I thought on the defensive end, you know, I tried to kind of plug in a little bit more when he was playing defense, and I liked what I saw. So, yeah, that will be obviously a major topic of discussion for the Pacers here in the final twenty-two games. Again, Tyrese Halliburton going to join us here. In the next few minutes, he's off to Salt Lake City. And Jake, they got honored before the game last night. It's a big Pacers contingent. This has got to be the most Pacers heading to All-Star Weekend in years. Here, here are Pacer players that I can recall participating in the All-Star game. You got four of them. That were not in the All-Star, like All-Star Weekend, I should say. So, in other words, auxiliary All-Star Weekend participants that I can recall. Terrence Stansberry was in the dunk contest. Uh, Kenny Williams was in the dunk contest. Fred Jones, a winner. Fred Jones was a winner of the dunk contest. Antonio Davis once did the dunk contest. Paul George did the dunk contest. Um, hey, don't forget a few years ago. Probably playing in Beijing with TJ Leaf right now. Cassius Stanley was in the dunk contest. Boy, good call there. Good call. That, that's a really good call. Three-point shootout. I mean, Reggie's done it. Who am I missing that would have done like been in the three point? Did uh, Sarunas ever do the three point contest? Uh, Sarunas, yes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he did, but I remember asking Sarunas, as a, as a pacer. Sarunas, yes, I asked him. I said, "How do you pronounce your last name?" And he said, "It's just like lots of cabbage." Okay, hey, whatever works. Peja Stojakovic is as a pacer, possible. though. I don't know. That's a good question. Buddy Heald won it a couple years ago. I just I'm old. So I can vividly recall the you know the era or the time of 
the three-point shootout was like 10 guys and there were multiple rounds and Larry Bird's out there in his shooting jacket. And I mean, you know, different, kind of a different era, right? This year's lineup is is pretty good, though. Uh, when you, It's certainly a far cry from the dunk uh, Glenn contest. Glenn Robinson, Jr. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Uh, the dunk contest is you got to Google pretty much all four participants. The three-point contest, uh, Jason Tatum, Kevin Herter, Tyler Hero, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald. But Tyler Hero's hurt, isn't he? He didn't yeah, play last night. a couple guys banged up. Uh, Anthony Simons for Portland banged up as well. Simons won the dunk contest a few years ago. How many guys have won both? Well, that's a good question there. He's got to be, I mean, it hasn't, been hap- hasn't happened, right? I, I wouldn't think so, but Damian Lillard in the three-point contest and uh, Laurie Markkinen. So, I mean, those are eight names, Jake, that are pretty high. I mean, Tatum and right. Lillard are top ten I, I, players in the league. Has the star to, power these days is in the three-point contest more than right, the slam dunk right. contest. That, the dunk contest, to me, old guy yelling at clouds here, the dunk contest, to me, has kind of run its course. And I don't mean that. I mean, it's an unbelievable display of athleticism. There is no doubt about that. Unbelievable display of athleticism. But I, I feel like they've kind of run out of dunks to do. I know that that sounds ridiculous, but I mean, after you get like somebody jumping over a teammate sitting on a ladder or something, what more can you do, right? Well, uh, also, Jake, I would say that with just how social media is, we see every dunk. And when I when I say that, that's I mean, a good way to say, it. yeah, that's fair. We see. Did you see the IUPUI kid who was the number one dunk on Sports yeah, Center last yeah. week? I mean, Vincent Brady was a hell of a dunk. But we see all of them. The Purdue commit that shattered the uh, the glass down at Brownstown Central a couple weeks ago. Like you, you just see all of this rather instantaneously. I think that plays into some of it. So again, Tyrese Halliburton going to join us here in a few. Um, off to Salt Lake City. Boy, you talk about a crummy flight out there. This is kind of an ugly morning to be flying out there. But Benedict Mathern and Andrew Nemhard in the Rising Stars game tomorrow night. I believe that's nine o'clock. On TNT, so they combine, you know, some of the second-year guys, some of the first-year guys. I think there's a few G-leaguers as well. Um, and then uh, Saturday is when you get into the skills competition, three-point contest, and dunk. And then Halliburton will be in the All-Star game Sunday. And I believe they've changed it to where they're going to do the draft before the game. Have you guys seen that? The Right before the game? So it's no longer East and West right, I knew in the that. game. And then it used to be LeBron and Giannis were the two captains, and they would draft like a week before the game. Right. And right. now it sounds like they're doing that on Sunday. Really? I'm like, like, is like it a legit pickup game? I'm it's like, are they, are they literally going to bring... that kickball? Everybody lines up? Are they really going to bring all 14 of these guys out there? Well, that's going to be awkward <laughs> when you're the last one taken. Well, right? uh, Sabonis is still standing there. <laughs> Somebody's got to take him. That's so. going to be kind of awkward, right? Oh, this is awkward. Yeah, no kidding. And then, of course, which I love, we've now seen it for several years, I love the Elam ending. The fourth quarter of the NBA All-Star Game has turned into major appointment television. Uh, this from Jeremy. Was Brandon Miller in the Alabama... Is that the Alabama guy Jim Irsay was really talking about? <laughs> Seriously. If you could sign up right now for a Colts-Pacers-Alabama sweep in the draft, 1,000%. This is a good point from Corbin. They should start raising the rim for the dunk contest. That would reset mm. the dunks. I like that. I mean, it, yeah. it is amazing. Like when you... You know, the Julius serving dunk that was in the very first dunk contest that kind of set the bar... 
you know, it was amazing because he was like behind the, the free throw line or whatever it was. But do you really, you know, in in today's world, does that move the needle? I think Birdman's still dunking. Remember when Birdman was in it and had like 24 attempts? Do you remember, do you remember when Birdman's computer got seized? Do you mm, remember that? Oh, boy. I'm uh, I'm nervous to continue no, the conversation. Uh, well, for, I mean, exactly what you're thinking. And it was like, oh my gosh! And then it turns out, How about he had Paul George dunk on him. He had he bought well. I remember it was like this big deal because like he was raided by the FBI or whatnot. And it turns out he had I believe that I I, I I'm pretty sure I have this story correct. He bought a used computer. Like he had bought like you know like gone to whatever store and bought like a used laptop. Now is that the new like I got hacked on Twitter? I, I but he was cleared. You know, they, they ended up, oh, we're looking for the wrong, you know, we got the wrong guy. You think Tyrese uh, Halliburton, did I give him the wrong number, Mark? Is that possible? Well, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Hello, Kinko's here. How can I help you? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have. It's FedEx Kinko's now, by the way. I, 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 I do I love, I, I love how the Halliburton family just sits right there front row every game. Yeah, mom, dad, girlfriend, sitting right there underneath the hoop. It's great. You see Mr. Turner? Oh, he's Usually always on, games he's always as well. Into the, the bench, right? Here's the number, um, Mark. Is that right? And Halliburton had a big one last night. The under, hell is that? No, yeah, that's right. Okay. Under a minute to go, he had a little runner, flipped it up off the glass as the Pacers took that lead and they were, were able to hold on from there. Got some big stops. No DeMar DeRozan last night for Chicago. That obviously helped, but Zach Levine made some big ones, but... Pacers were able to complete one of the more historic comebacks in that building. And again, Mark, sorry to do that, but I saw it's the fifth time this year the Bulls have blown a lead of 16 or more. Don't say sorry. That's why I told you to bet the Pacers. So you need four more. Am I correct, Kevin? Four, four more. more. With 22 to go, right? Four and 18 is what I need. Boston at Orlando at Dallas at San Antonio at Chicago. A lock. Philly, Houston at Detroit at Detroit and at Milwaukee, right? Not worried. Okay. Not worried at all. Well, one guy that probably could have something to do with that joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He is on his way to the All-Star game, on his way to the plane. Tyrese Halliburton, my first question for you, you got to be completely honest with us here. Uh, is this a private flight or do you have to go and like make sure that you put everything in the little thing and go through security and do everything else? <laughs> Uh, this is a private flight. This is a private flight. The NBA takes care of you, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I'm on my way to, to, to a private airport. So, make sure my bag was packed to the brim and don't care about weight. <laughs> now, yeah. Tyrese, if you don't mind, we appreciate some honesty here. You know, Buddy, he kind of struggled shooting it Monday. You know, first half last night, he was quiet. And then he gets hot in the third quarter. Was there any part of you that thought, man, I don't know if I want Buddy getting hot leading into the three point contest coming up here? Nah, 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 I could care less. If we win last night, I could care less about three point contest. So uh, good to see him. Good to see him get it going. Been struggling as of late, so you know how it is. The shooters, there's, it's all about just seeing it go through. So glad he got to see it go through. And a deserved winning feeling for the Pacers heading into the All Star break. Tyrese Halliburton joining us here on his way to Salt Lake. How does it happen that you get into the three point contest? Like, did the NBA contact you? Did you express interest in it? I'm kind of curious. No, the NBA contacts you. So we were in uh, New York, and some people from the league office were there and uh, approached me about it. And I was just like, hey, guys, appreciate the invite. Uh, I'll only be going if I make the game. Otherwise, I will not be at 
going to Utah. Uh, so uh, after I made the game, I called them and said I was in, and they were like, oh, we put you in the three-point contest. I already don't have to tell us. So, yeah, that's how it happened. Tyrese, when I watch the games, I watch it, and in particular, once you came back from the injury, it seems like there is a little bit more, and I mean this in a good way, your, your vision seems to have increased, like your flair in terms of finding guys. Like there are a couple of plays I, I was like, you look like Curly Neal in terms of like late last second passes, finding guys cutting open, etc. How much of that is just you truly feeling like a comfort level now being you know here? And then how much of that is also the importance of you guys seemingly being a very tight-knit group that understand each other on the floor? I think um, me finding guys is just a product of who I am as a person and, uh, you know, you know the way I play the game of basketball. Uh, but I think guys getting in the right spots, uh, you know, I think guys knowing when the ball's coming, knowing when to cut, knowing – how to run in transition if they're cutting through or if they're spacing for three. I think that comes from being so close and spending so much time together and uh, just constant conversation. So I think it's a little bit of both, but uh, at the end of the day, you can't get an assist with all your teammates. So uh, those guys make me look better than I am more, more times than not. It's interesting because here you are. You guys are 26 and 34. You got out to a great start. Then you hit a skid. We were kind of set the anticipation Tyrese Halliburton at the beginning of the year that this was going to continue to be a process but yet pretty good crowds energy's there and I hate to say that it's an exciting 34 losses but as a from a playing standpoint do you feel which way do you feel it do you feel like you're kind of stuck in quicksand or do you feel like you're a part of something no I feel like I'm definitely a part of something um you know I, I think it's obviously we're looking at it from um, you know, a long-term perspective, we understand that uh, we're a young, young group and that there's time to grow. Um, but at the same time, me as a competitor, and I think our whole organization as competitors, we want to win now. And so getting out to that hot start uh, all the way up until really my injury, uh, we were feeling good. We liked where we were. felt like, you know, every night we are going into a battle that we believe, you know, believe we could win the game. Um you know, it just felt good for, for a while there. And then I got hurt. We've been on this little skid, uh, came back. We still continued on the skid a little bit. So um, I think for us, it's just about getting back to the way we were playing basketball. Uh, you know, and uh, I think this break is much needed for everybody. Get your mind right. Get your body right. Uh, we go in these last 22 games of the season the right way mentally um, and physically. And uh, just be ready to, you know, hopefully get on a run here the same way we did in in December and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, compete for the playoffs. First All-Star game coming up on Sunday in Salt Lake. He'll do the three-point contest alongside Buddy Heald Saturday night. He is Tyrese Halliburton. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tyrese, it's been, I guess, about a full year now since you've been here in Indy. And, you know, you were, you know, I think, very candid about how shocked and, and, you know, oh, wow, this is what the NBA can be about when you were traded here last year. A year now playing back in the Midwest. What has that meant to you? Oh, it's been awesome. It's been beautiful. Uh, whirlwind of a year. Uh, but I really immersed myself in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I purchased a house. My mom has moved out here. My whole family lives out here with me. Uh, so it's, it just feels good to be here. Uh, close enough to home. It's like a five-hour drive from home. So my friends and family visit me all the time. And 
uh, just good to be here. Uh, always came here growing up, whether it was AU tournaments, family reunions, whatever the case was. So uh, just excited to be here. And, you know, things have been obviously been, have, have been going well so far. Yeah, I was saying to Jake earlier, I think it's really cool to see your family front row pretty much every game. What has that meant to you, the fact that they can be there so often? And, you know, it looks like from a Wisconsin, you know, Iowa standpoint, obviously, uh, there's an opportunity here to be here for a long, long time. Yeah, no, it means the world to me. It means the world to me. Obviously, me and my family are very close. You know, you see that by, you know, my my parents being at all the games, my girlfriend being at the games. I always have, you know, a friend or, you know, another family member at the games. Uh, it's important to me that they're there. They're close to me. I think uh, my mom. My mom is retired now, so you know, being a basketball fan is really her full time job at this point. So, you know, she loves to sit front row, loves to be close to the action. She doesn't say much, but she just loves to be there. Uh, the same way with my girlfriend and uh, my dad as well. So it means the world that they're able to come and see me play. And uh, you know, I think the. The city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, has really uh, embraced my family as well. Um, I, you see my dad get stopped in the stands for pictures all the time or whatever the case may be. People might want to take, uh, you might want to talk to him. Um, so the the reception from, you know, Pacers fans have been amazing for me and my family. You know, I, I was fortunate to do the Thanksgiving event that you had um, back in late November, of course. And while your mom might be quiet, I think I heard your dad from across the room on you know several <laughs> several occasions. So I, I'm sure if your mom isn't yelling maybe at the officials during the game, I think your dad will certainly do enough of that. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a definitely a yin and yang. That's why it works so well. Hey, Tyrese, I, I think you know. And by the way, if you've got to run to the plane, let us know here. But um, People in Indiana, you know, we've we have experienced guys that have grown into stars before our very eyes. You're on your way to the All Star Game. You're a young guy. You've been uh, this jolt of energy to the franchise. But there is also in Indianapolis this hesitation of people waiting for the reality of guys then to capitalize on that marketability and feel like they've outgrown Indianapolis. Are you aware of that paranoia that the fan base has? And what would you say to people about it? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm almost forced to be aware for sure. Uh, but I, I think for me, it's not about that. I, I think there's been people who have came here from different places and, um, you know, and, and I think there's been different circumstances and things that have happened behind the scenes that people don't always know about certain people. Uh, you know, I know Paul still gets booed when he comes here and hopefully that stops eventually here. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm a Midwest kid through and through. It's in my blood. You know, I, I'm not really this big city dude. I, I just this is this is how I've grown up my whole life in cities. Uh, Indianapolis is honestly bigger than the cities I've grown up in my life. So, uh, you know, that's it's not about that for me. It's just about winning basketball games and um, you know being treated the right way. And you know, the Pays are a first class organization who have done that, and the fans have been so awesome for us in a in a year that's been you know coming into the year by a lot of people considered a rebuild. Our fans have showed out every night, showed up to the games, showed love, showed support, um, and I think that means the world to us as young guys because uh, we know when it really gets when we really get things cracking that uh, you know that that our fan base will really be crazy. Who's your best friend on the team? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I think it's easy to say Buddy because we've been together for three years. We got traded together. Uh, we've grown really close, but I, I also could probably say James Johnson. Um, and O'Shea Brissett. I spent a lot of time with O'Shea, and James has kind of been like a big brother for me, um, you know, in terms of approaching the games the right way. He's been around, you know, greats. He's been around, he's around Timmy Derrick Rose, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, 
James Harden. He's seen it up close and, and personal. So he always holds me to a higher standard than everybody else. And, uh, you know, you need that in your life sometimes. Now, do you and Buddy have a little side bet coming up for Saturday night? Nah, everybody wants it. Our teammates have, have made us – they're making us try to come up with something, whether it's we got to do something in front of the team or something. But for me, honestly, and for both of us, uh, I think just having the satisfaction of, of, of winning and, and being able to, uh, you know, to, to, to talk, talk, talk to one another for the remainder of time until we're able to compete again, I, I think that, uh, that means more to us than anything. Tyrese, before we let you go, I got to ask you this. I'm at the game the other night. You're playing the Jazz. I'm assuming that you're pretty tight with Taylor and Horton Tucker because you guys were college teammates, right? Yep. Is he like 35 years old? Like, is his nickname Pops? I think he like, play for the Colts. Yeah, I was watching him, and I thought to myself, that guy looks like he's at the rec league. You know, the funniest thing about Taylor is he's actually, like, super young. Like, when we went to school, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive when we went to school he was 17 years old. Yeah, he was 17. He didn't turn 18 until November of our freshman year. So, like... I was already 18. I had turned 18 in February. He's been, he's he's almost a year younger than me, uh, which is the funny part. <laughs> yeah, I tell that all the time, bro. I don't care what you say. You look third. <laughs> no doubt. I'm like third and one. I mean, give, him, give him the ball up the middle. I'm like, like, hey, right this there. guy clearly can shoot because I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say he's necessarily going to like sleek anybody, but hey, he's in the league, right? He's a good player. Yeah, um, yeah great player. Okay, lastly, just tell us this, Tyrese. What are you most looking forward to for the All-Star Weekend? I mean, it's a huge honor, and congratulations, and I know fans are excited about it, but for players, for you guys, what is it about the weekend that is the most exciting to you, and is there any concern of not being able to take advantage of downtime? Uh, No, I don't really have any concern about that. Uh, You know, I think that they put together my schedule. I'm allowed to... Uh, revise my schedule in terms of uh, events or things that I want to do or don't want to do. So they give me that freedom, and and I think I think it's my first All Star. So we'll see how it goes, and I'm not, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think thing that I'm probably look you know the most looking forward to for me is uh, at the end of the day, it's still surreal to me that I'm even in the NBA in general. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Like last year when we pl- I was in the Rising Stars game. I ran into Shaq in the back, and he was like, young fella, I love what you're doing, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I appreciate it. And then when I walked away, I was like, hold on. That was Shaquille O'Neal. You know what I mean? Like, that's the, it still hits me like that. Like, you guys ever seen, like, like Mike, like, Lil Bow Wow, Calvin Cambridge is still, like, <laughs> in shock all the time when he sees everybody? That's me on the inside. I just can't show it all the time. So, like, for me to get there and, uh, you know, be there and just be where my feet are, I'm really excited for that. Don't uh, lose no, that. The entire city no. right now is listening to you hear oh, that, yeah. and they're Grinning saying, ear to ear. "Don't lose that. Lose. Keep that exact drive forever." Right? Yeah, yeah. That will. That, I don't think that. I think it's hard for that to ever fade away. It's always like that on the inside. On the outside, I don't always show that, but uh, you know, I'm just really looking forward to to being there. I, I think uh, you know, Reggie texted me the other day uh, some encouraging words about just you know embracing where you are and soaking it all in. He still remembers his first All Star how exciting it is so uh it's my goal just to be there and just be where my feet are be excited about it is there last last one is there anyone that you are looking forward to you know possibly meet whether it's the shack or i don't know from a celebrity standpoint uh not anybody in specific um i mean all the nba guys i played against so that's sure. not really a thing for me anymore but 
Uh, I haven't, I have yet to meet Reggie in person, so looking forward to that. Um, and just some of the other greats that are going to be there. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to try to slide to the celebrity game, so we'll see who I can meet there. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm just a fan of everybody, just like just like anybody else. So I'm just really excited to, to be there. Well, Tyrese, we certainly wish you the best. I appreciate the time this morning. Uh, have a good flight, kick the feet up, and enjoy the weekend and soak it all in, all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks Tyrese. Tyrese Halliburton, the Indiana Pacer all-star on his way to Salt Lake City. Jake, I wonder if he stays at Taylor Horton Tucker's house. I know it's just a 20-minute interview, but I just think I think he's right, wired the right way. I think he wants to be here, and, and, you know, he's 21, whatever he is, things can change, but just feel like there's a genuine nature to him. There's a genuine nature to wanting to be here, wanting to build something. The first year has obviously gone very, very well on and off the floor. We'll see if that will continue, but I think there's reason to have real belief that He's going to be here for a long, long time. Um, one would hope, right? I mean, electric player, no question. Thank about you to it. the Pacers for that. Tyrese Halliburton off to Salt Lake City. Uh, if you missed it, Rick Venturi will re-rack that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. I wonder what the weather's supposed to be like in Salt Lake. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. City. Like, is he getting... Hopefully better than this. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, it's obviously not great here. Let's see. So, All-Star Game is here next year. This would not be a good welcome to Indianapolis weather day. You're right. A year from now. Tomorrow's supposed to be pretty chilly, right? 17 degrees in Salt Lake City right now. High is in the mid-40s. That's not awful. It's beautiful there, though, right? Yeah, it's also no. I've never been six forty in the morning out there, so still pretty good point. Early, yeah, we would love Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday weather next year for the All Star Game. This is from Casey about Tyrese Halliburton. Man, if someone needed a reason to root for the Pacers, listen to that interview. Good lord, he is impressive. Again, Jake, I when he was first traded here last February, and you hear more about his story of a Wisconsin kid that was not some heralded recruit, stayed on kind of a local-based AAU team. You know, we had Bruce Weber on a month ago who coached him on that U19 United States team. I mean, he was the guy for a team with Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green and all those, you know, stars growing up. Even Iowa State, he wasn't some, this is our go-to guy averaging 20 points as a freshman. I just... I feel like there's so much of his background, and I'm sure you could have said the same thing about Oladipo or even a Paul George, but I just I don't see him varying as easily as maybe the others did. Right. I, I hope you're right, because that's that was a fun interview right there. Like that's a fun guy, right? Anybody listening to that has to say to themselves, "I can root for this guy." And when that's your quarterback, that's your point guard. That's huge. That's just huge for you for your franchise. When, and I think it complements Matherin very well. I think him and Matherin are different. Um, 
And, and I, I think that's a good thing. I like his answer, though, when, you know, I remember asking Paul George almost that exact question. I said, I remember it well. I was doing a show. We were at St. Vincent Sport Performance, and Paul George came and joined us live. And it was right when he was just starting to kind of break through. And I remember Kevin Lee and I having a conversation once after George's rookie year. Might have even been after a second year. And I said, you know, it kind of feels like he's just a guy. And we both were like, yeah, he's just a guy. And then it, it all came together for him. And he had a game, I think it was in Portland, where he had like a 40-point game. And it's like, whoa, like this guy's emerging. And I remember asking him, you are seemingly about to like burst through Indianapolis. Like, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're about to become a national name here. Do you feel it? Are you aware of it? And Paul George was like, I am, but you know, like it's, it's cool, whatever else. And I mean, he was always a nice guy, but I've said before when he went on Jimmy Kimmel and he was dressed like Michael Jackson from the Billy Jean video and he was talking about PG 13, I remember thinking, yeah, there, this is, here we go. Right. And you know, I know Halliburton's like launched a fashion line, and so people. I was going to say, to be fair, Tyrese Halliburton's probably wearing some things that if right. Paul George wore them, you wouldn't totally be too agree. Happy. And again, at no knock on Paul or on Tyrese Halliburton, it's just a PTSD of people being worried that he is going to have his eyes elsewhere. But to your point, Kevin, I think you you did a good job of of pointing this out and then letting him elaborate on it. He is not from Southern California originally. You know, and he is not a guy who, you know, Oladipo spent a lot of time in Miami and grew up on the East Coast and and blossomed before our eyes also, but I think he got a taste of that Miami, st- you know, and he that's, and I don't blame him for wanting to go there. It does feel like Halliburton's different. Right there, on the baseline, every game, mom, dad, girlfriend, sitting right there, just Again, I, I know I've shared the story before, but at that Thanksgiving um, dinner that we, we served over there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I was with his family at one of the stations, and they just seemed like super down-to-earth Midwest people. And I know we, we want that. We want to hear that. I've grown up in this state my entire life and central Indiana my entire life, so obviously I probably am a bit biased in wanting that, but I, I do think it's real. And I watched his future teammate last night for Alabama, Brandon Miller. <laughs> I'm all in, Jake. You you are, man. I'm all in. 15 and 10 for that guy, and you're like... He's just smooth. I mean, he is skinny. He's going to have to put on some weight, but he is a tall shooter that can, you know, certainly needs to work on, you know, his driving ability and I things like Jabari that. I thought Jabari Smith was that guy a year ago. Yeah, Jabari Smith's a little big, like, body type, a little bigger, probably more of a... You know, four man. If you want to get super technical, I like Brandon Miller. He did the ninety four feet thing with Jay Billis. Have you seen that? You know, where Billis walks the floor with the player. Right. They play it during the game. Seems like a pretty down to earth kid. A little baseball player a lot growing up. So, you know, maybe hasn't concentrated fully, fully on basketball. Gives good effort on both ends of the floor. Alabama's got some dudes. They do. Nate Oates, man, he can coach. But they lost last night. I'm not, I know, I'm watching them last night. I'm like, how the hell did Notre Dame beat them in the tournament last year? Granted, Brandon Miller wasn't on the team. <laughs> wow. Where was Brandon Miller this time a year ago? 
Where's he from? I was going to say, I should have looked that up. Is he from I, SEC country? Are we going with IMG Academy? No, I, I don't think he was one of those. I, I don't know. Maybe I... One of those. Well, one of the prep school One of those. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. Brandon Miller, Alabama. He wasn't hailed a recruit. I know that. Oh, I mean, I'm sure. Now, a lot of Brandon, is, a lot of Brandon Millers that the, we're surfing through here on Google. That is correct. This is ridiculous. Oh wait a minute, I'm in news. Sorry. Here we go. Brandon Miller, 2022 small forward, chose Alabama over Tennessee. By the way, ironically enough, that was a big one for him. Five star. He was listed as the 17th best player in the country. He is from Nashville, Tennessee. Kane, Ri- Kane Ridge High School of Nashville, Tennessee. Well, four four and a half hour drive, right up sixty five. I say four and a half because you get stuck in traffic in Horse Cave, Kentucky. Let's see. I'm looking up his uh, high school. Do you? Who do you think is the most famous graduate of his high school? Uh, by the way, we're having Paul Casaro on later. Right. Uh, Uni- University of Indianapolis, an unbelievable story. Sixteen in a row for them this season. They're playing Drury, the college. And Chris Presley like this weather today. Then very. Did Chris, I state the jury in while they're here? Chris Presley, former coworker of ours, alerted me yesterday that the famous alum from Drury, hmm. the university, right? Bob Barker. Really? Now that's fun, right there, right? Man. I'd love to play Plinko right now. Is Plinko your favorite? Yeah. Oh, Kevin see, I would, would like to play the golf game. Yeah, Tiger, of course you would. Are we going to talk about Tiger today or what? No. Um, Tiger Woods, first event back since the British Open. Speaking it's of Tiger's career, non, my favorite game is Cliffhanger. It's the first non-major he's played in since 2020. <laughs> he's got a new taping method to help out his walking. Oh, that's good. This event has meant a lot to him. Made his God, Tiger. PJ Tour debut here at the age of 15, the LA Open, which has now transitioned into some corporate name. Can we play the the cliffhanger theme? I, I, Are you going to watch the golf Netflix behind the scenes? Unlocked. Came out uh, yesterday. Yeah, uh huh. You guys going to watch? I will watch it, I think. I'll take a swing at it. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's called Full Swing. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. You got to be careful if you're Googling that video. So cliffhanger is what you want. Yeah. Yep. When's the, the same as the mountain climber? Yeah. That's the, it's that's it. Yo, really? no, yeah. That's when's it. the uh, IndyCar behind the scenes thing coming out? That's a good. Pretty question. soon, right? That's a good question because the season it's got to be in season though, right? Season begins March fifth. No. Yeah, there we go. There we go. This is it. Yes. Exactly. How fabulous mm-hmm. is this? Bob Barker standing there with his little microphone, like, yeah. no, slow down, no, no. Hey, no to your pets. Come on, Angela, <laughs> let's see what you got. And the beauties are like, what the hell is this song? Isn't Bob Barker like 99 years old? Uh, if you missed it, Rick Venturi joined us earlier. We'll play some of that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Somebody just said that we should take our ADHD meds. That's probably accurate. Uh, it's been a fast-moving morning, though, this morning to you. Is that a you. we pronoun or an I pronoun? <laughs> no, I did they... Uh, do you know? Actually, pro- I think I did turn that segment off the tracks with Tiger. Do you know the proper pronouns to use for your Valentine's candy? God, what? Her, her, she. Anyway, um, we could have a lot of pronoun debate. I guess isn't that a popular topic? Yes. 
<laughs> Tiger Woods, sport. as I said earlier. Speaking of, the only pronoun Tiger is goat. Um, Tiger making his debut. And I mean this in all seriousness, Jake. Um, for someone that is obsessed, borderline should probably seek help for the Tiger fandom. This has got to be a good sign, right? That he's playing in a non-major. That That's fair. Feels good about his body. Okay. It's actually the tournament he's played in the most without a win. Riviera Country Club. Again, made his PJ Tour debut here at the age of 15. Historic venue. That sounds like a fierce tiger. That sounds like Taylor Horton Tucker when he drives down the lane. That's actually a pretty cool sounding tiger there. Big week for golf. We mentioned the Netflix documentary, 23 of the top 25 in the world playing. Did you watch that already? Uh, I have got it on the agenda to watch tonight. I've heard Brandon just said it was terrific. Uh, Brian mentioned it was good. Now, does it go through the whole PJ Tour of last season? Correct. Correct. Okay. I, I, I believe so. I think there's some live stuff in it. And again, this is the thing that IndyCar will try to capitalize on here soon. You know, Mark, on the golf scale, where do you fall? If Kevin Bones a 10 and Jake's a 1, where are you at as a fan? Probably a 5 or a 6. That's where that's where you're trying to go, right? You're trying to yeah. get the 5s, the 3s. That's what Like you know. I checked out the Waste Management Open a little bit this past weekend and stuff, but it's not like I'm like dialed mm-hmm. in right. all yeah. four rounds. Right, and somebody make the cut here. So I, My my dad and my sister both are huge golf fans. I mean, I get it, right? I'll be curious to see how the documentary helps helps things out and, you know, from an IndyCar standpoint where it goes there. I do think it's big for Tony Kanaan, Jake. That that's a good storyline for May. For, you know, the the Colleen Bowens of the world. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously been through it before and then COVID happened. Like in terms of like Kanaan's last ride and final yeah. race, you know, you That's have, a good six o'clock news storyline. It is. That's fair. So again, that and announcement he could, he could run up front too. So then that, that announcement from yesterday. He was was the top three Third. last year was Pato Ward runner up? Correct. So Erickson Pato Kanaan. Last year, top three. As Jake mentioned earlier to Rick Venturi, the St. Pete race coming up in a few. Speaking of Rick Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. And Terry, if you missed that, we'll re-rack it next. The fan. 9 o'clock hour underway here, and we began the show in the 7 o'clock hour by talking to Rick Venturi, of course, the Colts radio analyst, former interim head coach and defensive coordinator for the Colts for a decade. 
Long conversation with a lot of really good stuff about the Colts and the new head coaching hire that we're going to replay for you. We began by asking him simply, is Shane Steichen the guy now that points the Colts in the right direction in terms of the franchise? Ten years from now, you know, whether or not that uh, Shane Steichen makes a great head coach, you know, that that's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, we're in an era now where there are no known commodities. The only known commodities proven winner head coach was, you know, was Sean Payton. And, you know, we have way too many holes uh, to give away that much draft capital, um, you know, to get into that market. So uh, you go to the next step. The next step is, you know, top flight assistance, uh, top flight assistance, which you don't know whether any of them are going to be great or not. You hope you get Zach Taylor and not hack it. I mean, really, it comes down to that. In my case, I'm very happy with the hire, and I'm very higher with the venting process. I don't think you can vent enough and particularly when you're not in direct competition with another team I, you know i think the fact that the eagles went all the way helped us because he he was going to be available just like callahan kafka not quite as long raheem was always there that was my my top four steichen was always number one and you know you, you always when you interview here obviously you're looking for leadership organization uh, you know um, the skill sets uh, presence the skill sets that make a head coach but in my case you know I think this is a little bit different times in 223 I think in a way it's a little bit like the draft uh, Jacob it's you know if you have equal if you have equal guys let's say that you like Raheem as well as you like Steichen in interviews but in this case, I think what was really important is that we have to fill some needs. It's like taking the need player when they're equal. And basically, there was a hat trick that I was looking for. Number one, an offensive designer. Uh, number two, uh, you know, a guy that was a play caller legitimately. And number three, a guy that was a quarterback whisperer. And so in that case, even though there were good candidates, um, the only guy that's really proven there, and he's proven to be a quarterback whisperer with different types of quarterbacks, was Steichen. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I, I like the press conference. I don't, I don't need a comedian. I don't need a guy that talks about his faith. <clears throat> I want a hard-nosed football guy that is forceful, that is a top X and O guy, that when he starts talking about football, it's all football. And, you know, I really like that. I don't know him personally, but I know his body of work because I, I watch tape to determine <laughs> what I think. But I, like I said, I really like the hire. I do believe that this in 223 is the best possible uh, outcome of the search. Uh, you know, whether or not uh, he becomes a great head coach, you know, we will find out. I mean, we'll, we'll see that. Nobody can predict that at this moment. Again, Rick Venturi is with us, 4.01 a.m. No need for the alarm for Coach Venturi. I think he might be off to the Gruden compound a little bit later today. We will chat 2023 quarterbacks, his early thoughts there, and a few other things with the coach this morning. Um, I, I want to flip sides of the ball. Um, obviously, Shane Steichen and that hire speaks for itself offensively. The retention of Gus Bradley, Rick, I think a lot of people just assume it's a foregone conclusion. You and I have had conversations, though, and and you know think that you know at times I think people just got too content with the defense last year because the offense was so horrid. Yeah, there's no question about it, and there's certainly a natural um, tie-in with Steichen and uh, Gus's staff. They all work together at San Diego, so the, the familiarity is there. 
uh, as I said with John yesterday, if, if he doesn't retain him, it'll really be a message that's sent. I, I assume that he will retain that guy, and I certainly hope he holds Bubba. Bubba's a star. You, you can't let Bubba out of the building. Uh, but I do think, you know, and, and I think you're making a good point, I think our defense, and, and I like Gus Bradley. I, I'd like to keep Gus Bradley, but I would like to keep him qualified with some mandates. I think that our defense got a real pass because the offense was so putrid. I mean, I could, I don't even want to go any the, the offensive stats because all you had to do was watch it with your eyes. But defensively, there were several games, I think seven or more, that one defensive stop, as bad as the offensive was, one defensive stop would have made the difference, would have won the game, and we never got that in the fourth quarter. And when you look at some of the stats that I look at, because I know the difference in what stats really matter to playoff and not, when you start looking at them, at the end of the day, it's 28th in points given up, 32nd in the red zone. Uh, opponent's quarterback rating, number 30, 96-3. Opponent's pass percentage, number 31, 70%. And then the worst stat of all, which was the killer, is fourth quarter defense, number 31. And then you could add the fact that we went from number two in takeaways to number 20. So there's a hell of a lot of work to be done. And I would, I would, I would mandate some things. I would say, number one, there has to be much more diversity in front and in secondary coverage. I, I don't think simplicity wins in the National Football League. Uh, number two, I think there has to be much better rush plans for specific quarterbacks. I mean, you know, on a third down on the, in, the, in the low red zone, you know, to let Hurts run to Noblesville on a quarterback draw, that's is just intolerable to me. I think the blitz percentage has to be a uh, – we're one of the lowest teams, I think, at 14%. That has to really go up. You can't sit there against the modern-day quarterback. And then number four, I, I'd like to see him be a lot more game-specific. I just – one of my pet peeves is when a guy comes in as a superstar, whether it's A.J. Brown or whatever, that's the guy you got to stop. And, and good coaches have to have that specific game plan – that stops those guys. And I'd like this. I haven't seen that around here enough for a long time. I'd like to see that improve. So do I, do I like Gus Bradley? Yes. Uh, do I think Gus can evolve? Uh, I believe he can. Um, you know, if he doesn't, uh, I think no matter what we do on offense, we'll still struggle. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done, you know, top to bottom here, uh, Kevin. I really do. Rick Venturi is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline, of course, 11 years in coaching with the Colts amongst his vast coaching career. And now you can hear him, of course, with Matt Taylor on the Colts radio network. Rick, I was curious about this. When you come in, if you're a new coach, and I realize maybe some guys like to immediately put their footprint on it. Some guys want to see where things lie. This is a, a first-year coach. But in your experience from a coaching standpoint, which is the longer and more arduous process taking a roster and having those guys conform to the style you want to see or conforming your style to the rest to the roster that you are inheriting well i think there's i, I think there's two nuanced uh, issues there I, I think number one you have to establish your way of life your way of doing business you know 
you know, most of the time we will say that's accountability. Um, I think that's really important. There's been murmurs. I don't know. I wasn't inside the building every day. There's been murmurs of laxity and lack of accountability. Maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. But you have to initially establish your way of life, you know, whether it's the Sabin way of life, your way of life, Andy Reid's way of life, that atmosphere and you want to address that immediately. You want to establish that leadership program. But then number two, it's a different program. I think mentally, from a schematic standpoint, you do have to be flexible and you have to adapt to the personnel that you end up with. No matter how much roster change we think we can make, eventually we're going to be in a deck of cards, 52, and we're going to be dealt that hand and we have to be able to play that hand. And one of the reasons that, you know, I like Steichen with going back to my first premise was, yes, I think Philadelphia has done the very best job of adapting to modern day football. In other words, they have developed an NFL passing game and they have improved Hertz, but they have taken elements of the college game, the NCAA game, the zone reads, the sweeps, the quarterback uh, designers, uh, and they've added them, and they've successfully done it. It's not that easy, and they have really, to me, state-of-the-art offensive scheme for the modern-day kid. But at the same time, he's also been the quarterback coach with Herbert, who was Rookie of the Year, and more importantly, he was the quarterback coach with Rivers, who we know is old-school, classic, non-movement quarterback. So what I see there is from a, a, that standpoint, that question is that you. I think the great ones have great flexibility. You've seen it with Andy Reid over the years. You've seen it with people. Shula was the great example. Threw every down with uh, Dan Marino, ran every down with Zonka. So, I mean, you've got to have that mental flexibility, and, that, and that's why it's so important. You've got to have an X and O guy as your head coach. That It's a myth that you can have a CEO guy. It's a myth because – even though you want an organizational guy and maybe he doesn't call the plays, but that guy's got to be able to push the buttons X and O wise on both sides of the ball or else you're not going to make it. If Indianapolis has decided, Rick, and by all account, this is going to be the case. We don't know, but it appears as though they have finally decided that, yes, it is draft quarterback and and do away with veteran Band-Aid year-to-year process. So in the event that they are going to draft a quarterback, did that further necessitate them getting a head coach that is the the new style, as the Beastie Boys would say, as opposed to the old guard? I would say absolutely. It certainly was with me because, again, you need a total turnaround schematically, but you need a guy who can develop a young investment quarterback. There's no question about that. That was, you know, in, as I said, you know, in my, in my trio, in my three commandments, I wanted offensive design, play caller, and quarterback whisperer and developer. I think that you're absolutely right on that. Now, nobody's going to admit that. They'll say we didn't go in with an idea and all that. Well, that's okay. You, you can, you know, talk to my hand on that. But in the end, I think that's exactly right. And you're not 
sure. And you're absolutely right, uh, uh, Jake. And, and it hasn't necessarily, I don't think, necessarily been that they didn't want to get a young franchise quarterback. One of the problems that Ballard had along the way is after Andrew walked out, we were always just good enough to, and we probably overrated our roster to believe that we could get a patchwork guy get us through a year. And we, in a way, we did with Rivers. And then it blew up with Wentz, and it blew up with Ryan. But now for the third time, and you guys are historic there in Indianapolis, the, the third time, this is the third time we've been in the lottery since 99. And the first two worked out pretty well with the number one pick. And so I want to see us. This is Rick Venter. This is no one else. I'll, I'll give it my unfiltered is that we need to get to one. We need to do what we did when we moved up to get Jeff George, whether that worked out or not is problematic. We need to be at that one pick. And I have my feelings about it, but you want to get the guy that you think is the best. You really don't want to settle for three or four. Not, and I think there's five guys on the board that are all very, very good. I'd have to probably take Hooker off because of the knee, but there's five guys that are very good. There's one guy, in my opinion, that stands above it, but in that sense, this is the first time we've been in the lottery, and, and we're very fortunate. I mean, we were lucky with luck because this was not a bad franchise who had the first pick. This was a franchise that just had one bad season because of Manning's injury and then ended up, you know, you talk about being lucky to have luck sitting there on that one bad season. And now we're in the lottery again, hopefully not for a long time. So you have to make this pick do. And if the, if it takes giving rid of draft capital, you've got to get this guy to to be the guy at the crossroads in this in this franchise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You don't want to hope someone falls in your lap. You've got to go identify and grab that guy. Rick Venturi is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Coach. Let's focus on that 2023 quarterback class here for a second. And I know you're still yeah. kind of early in that evaluation. You've certainly watched film, the character element. You know, we'll, we'll obviously see how yeah. all of that plays out. But when you look at Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, what do you see? with this group yeah i spent a whole day at, at, at with john gruden and gruden enterprises in tampa on uh, what's today there's on tuesday and we studied the top eight guys and really in detail in tape to best plays worst plays you know about as thorough as you could get so i have at least a feeling in my mind uh, and and the way i've always done it goes back to my recruiting days really way back when in college is that you know, I am an analytics guy. I'm not a dinosaur. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, says, well, he could play or he can't play. No, I, I study it all. I, I look for all the metrics. All the metrics are important to me. The game tape is important. And then the vetting process is important. Now, that's one thing I don't do. The Colts certainly will because I would want to meet, you know, as long as it took with all four guys at the top. And when I come out of there, I've got to make sure there's football intelligence, there's leadership qualities. I mean, when you look at the two guys in the Super Bowl and then throw Joe Burrows in there, my top three, I mean, you got guys with great football intelligence, great presence, great leadership skills, along with immense talent. And so that's really important, and that's going to divide people. Now, when I look at this year's crop, to me, there's one guy that is unique in terms of of playmaking ability, the guy that goes beyond the playbook, one of the three pillars that 
Steichen brought up, accuracy, decision-making, the ability to create, the ability to study relentlessly. Well, the one guy I know that today is Bryce Young. Now, I can't make him bigger. And, you know, people can push back if you want to. That's fine. I'm just giving you my opinion. He is the game changer. He is the guy that can make spectacular plays. You know, we kind of refer to him down here as Little Mo in that there is only one Mahomes, but he makes – he has some of those traits. Unfortunately, Mahomes is 6'5", and he's 5'11". But that is what it is. I can't make it bigger, but I've got to make a choice. And so, to me, I trade to one to get Bryce Young. Because and if let, let me say to you, Kevin, if you don't get to one with Houston sitting at two, somebody else is. So you're going to have to decide between three and four, which is a good kid, which is a very talented guy. But I would put Young... That's my top guy, and then draw a line. Now, two, three, and four, it's a lot tougher than people think. I think the media consensus right now and all the draft nicks that don't know a football from a basketball, they all, consensus-wise, you know, basically they have Stroud as number two. In my world, in the football technical world, it is not that clear cut between Stroud, Levis, and Richardson, to be honest with you. Again, Hooker's the outlier now because of the knee. He would have been in the top five. You know, in Stroud, you have a guy that does do everything well. There's no question about it. He does everything well. I don't think he has the wow, and he's bigger. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he like uh, Young, uh, you know, they've driven Mercedes. There's no question about it. they got Mercedes wheels and everything around them to be good. I don't think Young had nearly the talent this year than he has had, and I thought he did well with it. But Stroud does everything very, very well. He just doesn't give me the wow, uh, the wow factor, what I call the electricity test. Electricity test is after I've done all the vitals. Does he does he turn me on or doesn't he? I like Stroud a lot. You're not going to be, I don't think, unhappy. Now, when you get to Levis and Richardson. That's the tough choice because you have immense talent in both guys. When you look at Levis, and those guys did not drive Mercedes. They drove my, my, my 22 Escape. They didn't drive Mercedes at Kentucky or Florida. Now, when you watch Levis, you, got, you look at a guy with a big skill set. You know, he's very much like Stroud. They're in the four sevens. They're not great athletes. Like, Young is a very good athlete. He's in the four fives as far as running metrically, okay? But uh, Levis, you can look at seven plays out of ten, and you will say this guy can do it all. He can throw the dig. He can move. He can avoid. He can throw the fade. He can do everything. And then there's three plays in the ten that you will say a little bit like Carson once. Like, why? how did he do that? What was he thinking? You know, there are the minuses that you – to somehow either get through or accept. And then, you know, there is some quirkiness to his personality, which I don't think that's necessarily a, a you know, a game changer. But I also, you know, you know, I don't want a weirdo at quarterback either. Okay. Now, the, the most, I think, problematic guy is Richardson. Richardson has immense talent. Uh, if you were sitting in a situation where you could wait a little bit like the Packers did with Love, he might be the best prospect. But I don't know. I don't think we're in a position to wait, and we certainly don't have anybody we want to put in front of him. But this guy has better talent, 
skill set than all of them. I mean, he's probably a four or five. He's probably the fastest, no question about it. His arm is terrific. His release is terrific. But at the end of the day, he's only started 11 games, you know, and he's coming out. So, you know, he is going to have to be tremendously vetted. And I I just think off the cuff, I don't think he's going to be ready. But, you know, he might have the highest ceiling, no question about it. So, you know, you've got four very, very good kids. Um, You know, I think uh, with the exception of size, you've got one guy who is above them in playmaking ability. And I know what his pedigree is. I know what he comes from. Uh, I, I know what his leadership skills are. So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it right now. There's still a lot of work to be done, you know, between, be, you know, before late April. Rick, we were talking about this yesterday, so I want your opinion on this. It, which is a greater gap, or, or which? Let me rephrase that. <clears throat> which is the, the the bigger the bigger quantitative number? The the drop between drafting first and drafting fourth in terms of the quality of quarterback you might get, or the quality of pieces that you would have to give up to move from four to one. Is it worth the return on investment? Well, you know, I, you know, again, I don't know exactly what the investment could be. Uh, I think we're an ideal trading partner with the Bears for several reasons. I think, first of all, the Bears only have to move back two spots, you know, and, and if they move back uh, two spots, they can still get a dynamic, game-changing defensive guy, uh, you know, like a Carter, uh, like an Anderson uh, like uh, Murphy, your boy from Clemson. I mean, they're going to be able to move back at four to four and get a great defensive player, a great football player. There's left tackles available. I mean, guys that are game changers. So, I mean, from their standpoint, they would rather trade with us than anybody. And then the other thing is, Eberflus knows our roster. So he knows it very well. So if there's a player involved, an active player involved, with the draft choices, he's going to have a good handle on that. Whether or not it's worth the investment, the trade has to be in front of me. But I think there's going to have to be a commitment, and we can't just keep holding on to draft picks and keep you know keep having marginal to bad seasons, okay? Here's the deal, I think. Right now, we're at a, a crossroads. Again, third time since 99 that we're in a lottery situation, which hopefully we won't be in again for another couple decades okay so to me this is going to be the only time that you're going to be able to get that franchise starter now you you know it 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 may not be the guy i feel but at any rate it's got to be the guy you feel and to me this is the time to do it and if there's a big time investment involved that's going to be the consequence to be honest with you now they're obviously going to hold us up and there's going to be competition but I just feel like this. If we don't get the one, somebody else is going to get the one, and then Houston's sitting at two. So now you're looking at a different decision on three, on, on number four. Coach, we'll end with this. And again, thank you a ton for your time this morning. Um, free agency is about a month away. I mean, the Colts don't have a ton of, I think, stand-on-the-table guys, but they certainly have a handful of starters that could hit the open market. I'll throw a couple names at you. Yanni Kangakwe, Bobby Okereke, Paris Campbell. Thoughts on bringing any of those back? Well, I, I, I like Okereke the best. I, I think Okereke is the best for the money. 
Um, I think he's become a really outstanding linebacker. Uh, there's no question in my mind he's one of the best cover guys in the league. You know, he's a really good space player, a good, a really good tackler. You know, he and Franklin were not the reason that we struggled on defense. Trust me on that. They were not. I like him the best. Um, I like Campbell. Uh, I think there's some upside. I, I still don't see a great wow there. I, I You know, I, again, I think one of the biggest issues that we've had over the years – besides the quarterback carousel, is not putting the investments into explosive game changers on offense. And so far, I don't see it, and I, I think he potentially can. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I still haven't seen it totally. And then uh, with Ngakwe, I like him. I, I like him on my team. Uh, he's a great effort guy. Um, he will get you that eight to ten sacks, but they're, they're, I call them quiet sacks. I never feel like that he's taken over a game like a Riddick or you know or you know or, or Clark's or Ford's or or Graham. I never feel like that you know if I'm game planning that I have to have a, an ambient guy, a guy that I have to have to have a special plan for. So I'd like to have him back. I think Gus and those guys like him. They've had him. But I would not play. I would not pay him like a dominant impact player. March fifth, Rick Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. I'll be down there. If you're still down there in Florida, hanging out, uh, would love to see it. But in the meantime, you're going to wake up at four oh one and head over to the compound. Now, I would with say that's Rick unlikely. Coach On my way back to uh, heading in for the night, I can stop by. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you this: Jake is one of the few people, maybe the only person. In Indianapolis, that has ever sat on that front porch on the Gulf of Mexico with me. That is right? correct. That is correct. That's that an is honor. Correct. And and the other thing I will awesome. tell you is he he and my son. If you can get the senior yearbook from North Central, <laughs> he and my son Jason inserted themselves in the honor society oh, photograph. Yeah. Now, both guys were tr- really good students and really achievers. Honor Society, Kevin, I'm not sure, yeah. but mm-hmm. their picture is there. Yeah, that we, was Jake doing his best George O'Leary impression. We combined I think, for exactly. a 4.0. <laughs> Again, Rick Venturi earlier, Tyrese Halliburton earlier. Both of those will be up on the podcast. Uh, we are going to hold the pop quiz off until tomorrow. We're going to end the show today with... Yeah, Jake, we've been fortunate here in the state of Indiana. There is a lot of great basketball stories this season. Terry Moore and the IU women. Obviously what Matt Painter and Purdue have done. Uh, certainly the Pacers for long stretches of that first half of the season. I mean, even Michael Lewis at Ball State. Indiana State's had some good moments. Notre Dame and Mike Bray are not one of them. One of the best ones is on the south side. University of Indianapolis, Paul Casaro's Greyhounds have won 16 in a row. They're ranked top 10 of the nation, so we are going to have him on. Are you, are you breaking the news here? To close out the show. Yeah, maybe Scotty just heard it. Scotty, we got we to gotta postpone the pop quiz. Is it good for Friday? Probably. Is there some time sensitiveness to it? How about that, Scotty walking in right at that time? That was awkward. <laughs> that was very Could you not have warned me? You can see I, over I, my shoulder. I, I you laughed. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I, I see Scotty. He's got his laptop in hand. He's he's feverish. And I feel bad because he puts together the pop quiz. I know. I, 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 
This is a 9 o'clock decision, Scotty. You could tell he's relatively excited about it. Well, how about this? How about And then you just completely deflated him. He will ask you the pop quiz during the break. And if you go 5 for 5, we'll give out a Jiffy Lube oil change to a listener. That's cool. Yeah, okay. We can do that. Uh, Until that, that, let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, last night on the hardwood, the state of Indiana had a couple of teams play teams from Chicago. Both got down big early, both made comebacks. One completed their comeback. That would be the Pacers. They have not won often over the last month, but when they play the Bulls, they usually are able to execute big comebacks. Uh, they did it last night, down 24 points at the end of the first quarter. They come back to beat Chicago 117-113. Buddy Heald, I, you know, at one point in the first half, it almost looked like Carlisle kind of pseudo-benched him. And then in the third quarter, he was back in his kind of his usual starting spot. Banks in a three early in that third quarter, and that set off a big-time second half from Buddy Heald, a handful of threes. He sets a franchise record for most three-pointers in a season. That is with 22 games to go. He's already hit 230 of them. Here was Rick Carl last night on Buddy. I just want to watch the three-point contest. I want to see him and Ty in the finals. That's my that's my short-term dream. Um but you know, Buddy, Buddy is going to go down as a historically great three-point shooter in this league. Um, and you know, passing Reggie Miller for the single-season mark with 22 games to go is is a strong statement. And uh, and I know if Reggie was here, he would he would congratulate um, Buddy because Reggie's that kind of a stand-up guy, and he 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 he, he really appreciates. You know, uh, specialization and greatness. You know, in 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 the area of specialization when it comes to shooting. So, um, congratulations to Buddy, and uh, you know, we got a long way to go here. So the Pacers head into the All Star break on the right note. And again, Buddy healed twenty seven all in the second half and broke the franchise record for most threes in a season. Hard to believe. Heading into the All-Star break, that feat is already accomplished. Aaron Neesmith had 21 for the Pacers. On the college side of things, different story. Indiana got down big in the Windy City, taking on Northwestern and Evanston. Came roaring back behind Trace Jackson Davis, but not enough. Northwestern ends up winning 64-62. Might have been a little bit of a push-off for Northwestern in that to get their fourth uh, straight win. But just not enough for Indiana. Boo, booey. A couple big drives there late. Indiana had trouble uh, keeping him out of the lane. But like you said, Jake, they were down 39-20 at halftime. Just a horrid first half for the Hoosiers. Uh, they really just led by Trace Jackson Davis. Roaring back, as you said, in the second half. 23 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. They tied it up. Stole the inbounds pass. Tied it up with like 30 seconds to go before Bowie hit that runner. Uh, just outside of the lane, and then Jalen Huchafino had a half-court shot at the buzzer. Uh, Karam off the rim. Here was Mike Woodson afterwards on that first half. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. We miss shots. And you can't, you know, the first 10 possessions, I bet we had five, six turnovers. See, you can't run offense that way. It's impossible. You know, you're just giving it back to the other team, and they were scoring. We weren't getting stops. That was the difference. Rematch with the Fighting Illini, Illinois, coming up this weekend. That's Saturday at noon from Assembly Hall. That was obviously one of the better wins of the year for Indiana on the road. Uh, tonight, Jake, it's Purdue at Maryland, and 
Purdue's just a slight favorite in this one. Maryland is not lost at home in Big Ten play. Yeah, so the and we talked about Maryland. Just kind of one of those teams we haven't talked a lot about. Slated right now as an eight seed within the tournament, but they they kind of, as you had mentioned earlier, Kevin, I thought it was a good point. They play kind of the Rutgers last year style, right? Like they want to bully you down into playing the way they want to play. Yeah, they don't shoot it great. They get to the foul line a lot. They throw a bunch of defenses at you. Again, Purdue struggled with them in the first meeting at Mackey. Zach Eady did have 24, but Purdue only scored 58, and Purdue had 15 turnovers in that one. It's a 6.30 tip tonight from College Park, and after this one, Purdue will have Ohio State inside of Mackey Arena. Only five games left in the regular season for Purdue. They've got the week off next week until they have, of course, Indiana for the rematch at Mackey next Saturday night. All right, Paul Casaro, you Indy basketball coach, is going to join us in about 10 minutes. We will do the Jake Query pop quiz during the break. If Jake yeah. goes 5 for 5, and we'll have full integrity, zero hints whatsoever, okay. uh, we'll hand out a Jiffy Lube oil change. You good for that? I'm good. Now, have you... I've not be, looked at all it. Alright, be honest. I've not looked at it. I believe you, because usually you never look at it until it's like two <laughs> questions in. There's some truth to that. We'll do that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Next, Kevin Coy. Jake on the pop quiz. Starts off four for four, and boy, just a shame at your downhill skiing knowledge. Couldn't go five for five. Did me in, right? Who Who is the guy, Scotty? Tommy Moe. Tommy Moe. Tommy Moe, 1994. Duh. That was the other American. I knew it wasn't Bodie Miller. Basically, the question was who was the second. Bill Johnson in 84. To, to gold, and I did not know Tommy Moe. I feel like Norway wins that event every year. Someone from Norway. You know what's interesting is um, downhill skiing fast. His nickname was Slow Mo. So it was interesting that he got himself a gold in that. I remember... Excuse me? Yeah. When I think of men's Winter Olympic heroes, I think of, obviously, Anton Apollo Ono, right? Yeah, speed skater. But going further back, Eric Hyden was the first one that I recall being like... And he's a doctor now, I think. Obviously, you're talking individual sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you said you had a call related to Buddy Heald? Yeah. Guy was asking, uh, especially after Heald's performance yesterday, he was asking how much longer his contract was and do you think you guys would want him to be signed to an extension by the Pacers at some point? Yeah, one more year left on his contract. So he is, I think it's right around $20 million, um, for next season. You know, Jake, my, my tone really changed on Buddy Heald back in you know September, October when it looked like this was going to be you know, a struggling season, it was, boy, at the deadline, you've got to capitalize on moving Buddy Heald because we know teams, they, they crave shooting like none other. So you knew he'd be very attractive as a trade guy. 
But then the more you watched him, we had Tyrese Halliburton on earlier. Their relationship is well documented. He is a guy that I would not be that frustrated, which again, for a team in a rebuild to extend a 30-year-old, it's kind of odd. I would not be uh, objecting at all if they extended Buddy Heald a couple totally years. Totally agree. I, I, the the current, skill set does not age. The current roster for the Pacers, to me, only needs addition. There's nobody on it that I would say they need to subtract. They just need to let it grow. And no, it's add a, a few frozen song, here. right, Mark? Yeah, very familiar with that one. <laughs> Buddy Heald has a skill set and has a durability track record in the NBA that just does not age as much as other skill sets. Uh, he's a weapon. Rick Carlisle was accurate last night. He'll go down as one of the better three point shooters in the history of the NBA. So if you extended him a couple years, I think that would make a lot of sense. And it's not like, I mean, I guess Jordan Wara, you hope is that, but Jake, it's not like you've got any like young dead-eye shooters. You know, the Pacers don't have a ninth man that comes off the bench and gives you a couple. Again, maybe Wara can be that, but McConnell's not that, Matherin's not that, Nemhard's not that, right? Duarte, you know, probably wishful thinking on that end. So um, I would definitely do that. All right, uh, coming up next, Paul Casaro again, University of Indianapolis. They've got home games tonight and Saturday. They are a top 10 team. They've won 16 in a row. I think ranked 6th in the nation. Uh, so you talk about some bracketology. UND could be making a run here in the Division Two tournament coming up in a few weeks. We'll chat more about that next with Paul Casaro. Kevin, it's game day for our next guest, isn't it? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. It is game day. Tonight on the South Side, University of Indianapolis, couple home games tonight and Saturday. Head coach of the Greyhounds, Paul Casaro, joins us now. We mentioned earlier, Jake, just great stories across the state this year. On the hardwood, and really no better than what Paul Casaro's Greyhounds have done. 16 in a row. They have not lost in, I think, the calendar year, certainly. 22-2 um, and two on the year, ranked number 6 in the nation. And again, Paul Casaro joins us now. Hey, Paul, did you think this was possible at the start of the year? Um, you know, I thought we had a really good group. And, you know, you always have high expectations when you have, you know, talent, talented student-athletes and a good staff like I'm fortunate enough to have but you never try to put a label on exactly what that is you just take it one game at a time and try to get better every day and it's it's been a lot of fun so you have as you know you're on this streak you haven't lost since December 3rd you've beaten every division two school on your roster you got two left at home here tonight and then Saturday tonight's game by the way folks uh 7 30 down at Nickerson Hall and then again on Saturday at 3 in the afternoon. Then you go to Missouri, and you basically don't leave the show-me state for a while because the GLVC tournament begins two weeks from today. So my question for you, Coach, is this. 
deep down, even though your players don't know this, do you almost want to get tested one more time? Like going, and I don't mean in the tournament. I mean, amongst your last four games here, because you guys are playing so well and have gotten so accustomed to winning, is there something to be said for kind of a reality check for your guys heading into the tournament? Which way do you look at that? Or do you think to yourself, this guy's a total moron? <laughs> Not at all, but you know, the, the main thing is, is I don't think we're going to have much of a choice. Our, our league is so tough. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is GLVC basketball is the equivalent to like, you know, Big Ten basketball or, or SEC football. Like it is the hardest Division II conference in the country. So we're going to get tested. You know, there's no such thing as an easy night in our league. In fact, you know, we had to fight and call just to get a couple wins on the road last week in Kansas City. And, you know, Jury's going to be a tough one tonight. Southwest Baptist is going to be a tough one, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, we're back on the road next week. So, you know, by nature of just our league, we're going to be tested every time we step on the floor. Yeah, you guys have had a few single-digit games as of late. Senior day coming up on Saturday for the Greyhounds. What has been the difference, Coach, lately here and you know, playing those single-digit games but coming out victorious? Well, I think, you know, a couple things. You know, single-digit games, you know, we're, we're playing good basketball, but, you know, being number six in the country and, you know, 22-2 and two and 16-game win streak, all those things – you know, that we can't get caught up and focus on, you know, opponents notice that stuff. And, you know, we're going to get every team's best shot because of that. And teams are up to play against us. And that's good. You know, the fun thing is when we go on the road, you know, gyms are full and that's a fun atmosphere for our, our guys to play in. But teams want to try to knock us off. And, you know, I told our guys, you just got to know that you have a target on your back. You're going to get their best shot. But with that, um, you know, we've been in a lot of tight games and our, and our, our kids just are playing, uh, you know, I say kids, young men are playing with a lot of poise. And, you know, even when it gets close, they just have a calmness to them, you know, poised demeanor. And they seem, you know, very confident um, to the point where they, they know exactly what they need to do to close out games. And they've been doing a nice job stepping up down the stretch. Again, he's the Ron Colley legend, Paul Casaro, the head coach of the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds, won 16 in a row, ranked sixth in the nation. He joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Paul, when you look at, or I guess I should be a little bit more educated on this, you've got four to go until the conference tournament, and then the NCAA tournament follows. How does the NCAA tournament work for Division Two? Yeah, so um, there's 64 teams. You know, the the old Division One format was 64 teams. I know they've they, they, they've increased it to you know uh, now now 68 with the playing games, uh, but the, there's 64 teams in D2, but it's a little different in terms of that. It's regional, you know, so there's eight regions in Division Two, and the way they do that is each region takes the top eight teams in that region. You play your regional. The eight region winners go to a neutral site for the Elite Eight Final Four National Championship, you know, all on, all, on one weekend. So that's kind of how Division Two is. Hmm. And with us being in the toughest regional, it's tough. I remember when I played – you know, my senior year, we made the NCAA tournament uh, here at University of Indianapolis uh, when Stan Gerard was the coach. First time that he made it when uh, he was the head coach. But we had seven teams. So in the regional, in our region, there's three conferences that make up our Midwest region. Okay, so the GLVC that year had seven teams ranked in the top 25. Well, you had to take the two conference tournament winners from the other two regions. So only six teams from the GLVC got in that year. So there was a top 25 team that was left out of the NCAA tournament that year. So that's kind of how hard it is to even get in the NCAA tournament in D2 because it's not necessarily the best 64 teams because of the regional makeups. That's 
kind of wild. Coach, when you look at your roster and you look at the way that you guys have played, 22-2, and two, you got two guys averaging double. I mean, you're very balanced. Jesse Bingham leads you in scoring. But I have always felt that when, when teams have really solid seasons, a lot of times it's because there's somebody that at the beginning of the year you didn't expect them to have the year they're having, and they really rose to the occasion and improved themselves and gave you quality minutes that maybe you weren't anticipating in October. Who's that guy for you? You know, it's kind of uh, probably three guys. You know, we are we are very deep, and I think you're exactly right. You know, the first guy is you know Bruno Williams, transfer from Lewis. You know, he was the he was the guy at Lewis, and he had to you know figure out how to come here and be one of the guys. And you know, he's just kind of gradually gotten better and better and better, and now he's playing like Bruno again. You know, and, and he figured out how to do it in our system. So his growth, and then two other guys as Josiah Tynes. You know, I always knew Josiah had a chance to be a starter for us. He's always been our best on-ball defender. But what Josiah's done is he's uh, he, he's displayed a lot of, you know, guts, for lack of a better term. Like, he, late in game, he's always the one sticking a big three or taking a big shot or taking a big charge. Like, he's at his best in the biggest moments, and that's never been his role before. So that's been a pleasant surprise. And then our freshman, Sean Craig, you know, he's – uh, six 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 seven freshman from Toledo, Ohio, lefty, and you know he comes off the bench. And when we recruited him, we recruited him uh, as more of a point forward. Well, he's really worked on his jump shot, and he's shooting over fifty percent from three as a freshman. And then when he comes in, you know, team's got to really respect it. And you know, he came off the bench Saturday and knocked in three threes in the last ten minutes of the game and helped us pull away. Coach, I want to go back to the tournament, and Adam, I know that you're you live in a one game mindset. But if you guys were to make it out of that regional, Evansville is where the final eight would play. Is that right? Yes, correct. You know, down in Evansville, and you know, um, hoping, you know, fingers crossed. You know, we have a lot of work still to do. Um, it's looking like Hillsdale or us will be the one of the two teams that host the the regional because the number one seed does host so nice we take care of if we take care of business you know and, and then you know in the regular season and in the conference tournament and then you know maybe don't, don't want to look too far ahead as you said but you know it'd be cool if we could you know play that whole thing in our home state it's a hell of a story on the south side drury tonight at seven thirty for the greyhounds and then senior day coming up on saturday at southwest baptist at three o'clock paul congrats man it's a hell of a run you guys have been on here over the last couple of months and we'll certainly have you back on come tournament time guys i appreciate your coverage and your support great talking to you as always paul casaro right there on the payless liquors hotline you know jake we had tyrese halliburton on earlier Loved that interview. Obviously, we all see Halliburton. Matt just sent me this. Uh, back to the Halliburton interview. We go to games, but after that interview, we're getting some kind of ticket package. That's pretty cool. So if you missed I, that earlier, I'd say highly encouraged. Check out the Tyrese Halliburton people interview. People are making earlier. fun of me, and I totally get this. Uh, I do. People are making fun of me because I was talking about his like the ball handling and the crazy antics he's had, and I said it's like Curly Neal. <laughs> I realize Curly Neal's been retired for like thirty years, but like I I don't know of any current Globetrotters. Do you guys? Is Curly Neal the old New Mexico coach? New Mexico coach. Was that his brother, the Neal with Alford? Didn't he take over for Alford? No, Curly Neal. Mark, do you know Curly Neal? No. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. That guy followed Alford a couple places. What's right? his name? Scotty, you know Curly Neal, right? Yeah, I thought it was Craig Neal. Craig Neal, that's right. Is Craig Curly? Mark, have you ever heard of Curly Neal? No. Curly Neal, do you ever heard? You guys ever heard of Meadowlark Lemon? 
No. I only say it because they're the only two guys I can think of that were like the staple Harlem Globetrotter faces for like 30 years. I'm going through the current roster. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, now people. it's just like former. No, Curly Neal was like the ball handling whiz of the Globetrotters yeah, I, in the peak Globetrotters. I, I, I should remember that. I know Globy, their mascot, he was at the Mascot Hall of Fame. I it looked like, did you guys think Northwestern was wearing Globetrotter uniforms at one point last night? Chicago flags. Is that what it was? Yeah. Do you know why? Flags? Do you know why they're called the, the Harlem Globetrotters? I don't. They were originally founded by a businessman out of Chicago during the segregated era to display their basketball acumen, but people were becoming upset because they didn't realize that they were supporting African Americans in a segregated era. So he nicknamed it the Harlem Globetrotters instead of Chicago. So the inference was there of people knew what hmm. they were going to to go see. Wow, that's interesting. Educate and entertain. Jake Quarry rounding it out. Thank you to Rick Venturi. Thank you to Tyrese Halliburton. Thank you to Paul Casaro. Those will be up on the podcast. Everybody have a great Thursday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.